connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome, boys and ghouls, to a spooktacular edition of Real Nerds Podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm James. I'm Zach. I'm the Bad Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we're doing something different. We are doing our Halloween spooktacular edition. Nobody, we're going to scare the shit out of each other. Nobody wanted totally. to see Inferno, huh? Nope. This is what happens when I'm gone for I'm gone for a week and you guys lose faith in Tom Hanks. I I just don't understand. If it, they had a nine o'clock showing, I would have seen it this morning. It, oh, okay. I, it's not that I lost faith in Tom Hanks. It's when I see previews for Inferno and it looks like a TV cable movie <laughs> with really poor, horrible writing. Yeah, it looks like one of those Ronnie Howard movies. Yeah, it looks like um, a Dan Brown novel. <laughs> Somewhere Dan Brown's just crying in the rain like Ducky. And <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone read The Da Vinci Code? Uh, no, my, yeah. I, my dad did. Shit, did your dad like it? I don't remember. He reads a lot of things. He likes most things. It's good air. But if he reads a lot, I'm guessing he probably didn't like it. I don't know. He's reading through the Harry Potter books right now. He likes those. Yeah, the Harry Potter books are good. <laughs> There's in anyways. So Da Vinci Code is you know made like it's they call it the summer reading of love oh like beach books i guess they call them sure yeah yeah. yeah. so there's literally you know, like, chapters that are a paragraph long yeah and it's really obnoxious uh, i think I it's like i didn't read it yeah it's not good yeah but i like ben foster yeah me too so maybe i'll go maybe i'll go check it out but anyway we're here to talk about horror movies yeah we're doing a horror film actually we're doing a top 10 horror films of all time for some of us uh for me because i'm such a horror movie fan this was actually really hard for me because i was struggling with do I tell people my favorite horror films of all time, or am I going to give them my playlist of Halloween movies that I watch pretty much every year? Ah. Uh, because while I believe Bride of Frankenstein is a great horror film, is it one that I put in every Halloween to get me in the Halloween kind of spirit? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's understood. And so I decided that I was going to do like a Halloween playlist. Okay. Where these That's are the, cool. These are because the, I mean. Obviously, no one can see this because this is a podcast, but uh, in my collection of films, I separate them by genre, and my horror section is literally half of my movie collection. Right. So, I mean, I see a lot of horror films. It's, it's funny because I did, you know, it, this was also hard for me because I'm not a huge horror fan. Exactly. So I'm and interested it's, it's to see It's why, like, I, I thought about, like, okay, I can go super non-traditional. I can, like, you know, shake it up a little bit. Um, but I think you'll actually be surprised that, like, when I was done with my list, I was like, holy shit, like, these are ten, like, these are horror movies. Like, these are ten horror movies that I genuinely will watch almost any time. Yeah, and I mean, there's going to be some on here, obviously, that are classics that I watch all the time. Um, and then there's other ones that are garbage, but <laughs> I like watching them because it's kind of like, uh, uh, 
Oh, man. Is, is Blood Rage on your list? Tell me Blood Rage is on your list! Blood Rage is not on my list. Oh, damn it. The, the, the Blu-ray is really nice, though, from Arrow, if you want to, you know... Yeah, it's coming burn. out this week on... Uh, no, <laughs> It did take six months to come out. Um, anyway. But, yeah, so that's... Uh, I think, Brad, you said something like kind of the same thing that I did, right? Yeah, like you said we're doing our top ten horror movies, but we're really doing our top ten, top ten Halloween movies. And... Mm-hmm. Um, when I was going through, like, looking up all the different movies that are, like, horror-related or Halloween-themed, um, I just kind of narrowed it down to it being my playlist, like, the stuff that inspires me and gets me in the mood to feel the Halloween spirit. So, um, yeah, like, like there's, there's a lot of good, great, horrific movies out there, but, um, you know, those don't yeah. inspire me to think yeah. Halloween. Like, uh, they're good, but, you know... There's there's other things that like you know it be uh you know takes you back to a different place in your life and stuff like that that uh, triggers that Halloween like right. feel so yeah um it, it was tough movie. going through like I saw other people's like top 100 lists and, you know some of them include stuff like Alien on there which I think is more sci-fi but it does have horrific elements so right. it qualifies to be on there but um, I've I've watched Halloween or I've watched Alien at Halloween parties in the past yeah, yeah. um but that's because I was there and was arguing profusely against watching whatever other garbage they were talking about showing The Shining. Uh, yeah, probably. I was with you. I, I don't know if you remember. There was a Halloween where we watched like the the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween, and then we watched Alien and mm-hmm. then something else. Uh, but anyway, yeah. See, for me, it was uh, a combination of what I thought was a good horror film, but also what I generally would watch on an endless loop. So, kind of just goes in both circles, like both camps, I guess. Cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously, some movies are going to be repeats of mine I've talked about before, right? Um, just because of who I am and what I like. But yeah, um, yeah, and I, you know, I was telling earlier I was going to cheat and just put the Friday the Thirteenth series because <laughs> um, I mean, I this <laughs> around this time I always want to watch them, and I last night before I went to work, uh, I left it on AMC and they had Friday Two on there. Like man, these aren't like as good boom. when they're freaking edited. edited. Yeah, <laughs> because but then you have to put nine on your list. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, nine <laughs> and and uh, you know five. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Those are two good spots for two other great movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we've we've pontificated enough. Do we want to just jump in and start seeing what's on these lists? No, don't bring big words into this fucking podcast. Okay. Should we start with a scary song? <laughs> I, I think we got to do a seance or something. Like, no. that would be more of the No! <laughs> no! Yes. Uh, no! <laughs> I think that dragged me to hell. They did that. There was a goat and it talked! I'm just, I You're going to die! I'm just inspired to play this Ouija board I have sitting out here. Nice. And it'll tell us where they rank. Oh, no. Are we going to get sucked into some kind of Ouija portal? I don't know. It's spelling blood right now. Is that a problem? Yes! <laughs> Oh, I just have this sweet book that we can read. No! <laughs> Was that you know ne- there is no ne- reading necro- allowed. Is it bound by flesh? I mean, come on, guys. Let me just re- recite this. <clears throat> Klaatu, Verata. Say the whole thing right, man. Necktie. Nectar. That we're cursed. It's definitely an N-word. Oh, man, I, I, I love the day <laughs> the earth stood still. It's definitely an N-word. Klaatu, Verata, <laughs> now, for quiet, Brad can play a cool song because I just did that. 
did Raimi come from Klaatu? Because that's like the no, alien no. from the day the Earth stood still. Yeah, no, no it's, it's yeah, exactly. It's stolen it's from, okay. yes, yeah, he yeah, stole it's that. On purpose, yeah. Because yeah. it's a funny movie. That's right. But, cool. Uh, I don't know who's starting. Brad, you start. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Uh, my number one, or ten. Sorry. Whoa. Brad's <laughs> wow. really changing it backwards. Fuck it up. Yeah. My number one is Ghost, where Patrick Swayze is a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Roll trailer. Just kidding. It's Ernest Scared Stupid. From Touchstone Pictures, monstrous trolls have sprung to life. That's your hope you're from Keebler. And now, Ernest P. Worrell is springing into action. He'll try anything. I know Tai Chi Kung Fu Chow And everything. Your shoes untied. To save the day. It's showtime. Yeah. It's Ernest P. Worrell in a brand new movie. Uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. How about a bumper sandwich, booger lips? You know me. Starts Friday, October 11th at a theater near you. I mean, I think it is. I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm, yeah, I'm sure great. it's pretty stupid, but... Yeah, that's a great pick. Um, I love I, the opening song or the opening music. I think that the, the uh, main it, troll in it's pretty scary. Yeah, it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Like, oh, I, not? My family watched it all the time, and they thought it was really funny, and I never liked watching that one. Um, <laughs> I but haven't yeah. seen an Ernest movie in forever. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish I got a chance to watch it before we did this, but I didn't, so I'm, I just remember it from my childhood I being like a ton of fun, yes. and it's got... That Halloween vibe that I like. So. Absolutely, yeah. Ernest that's, Scared Stupid, I'll watch it tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's one you should totally like watch with your kids and see if they like it. But, yeah. but maybe not too young, and maybe not if they're like me and they're really sensitive. I remember like watching Jail a lot yes. when I was a kid, and I then watching it as an adult and being like, oh my god. I think Camp is the best one, right? Uh, Camp and Jail. Yeah. Um, oh, really? I, I would say that Camp and Scared Stupid are the best. Well, I... Because I remember Scared Stupid. Stupid might be the best, but again, I haven't seen it in a while. So. Kiss my rubber liver lips. He says that to the to the troll. I, I will say, yeah, say that I think Scared Stupid is the most popular. Oh, okay. It's, you know, the one where... It being a, kind of a big hit. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I remember watching it as a kid all the time. Yeah. And... Well, it was always on TV. That's a movie that at least yeah. had a season where every Halloween they would show it on, like, the Nickelodeon channel or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I remember um, that all the time. I used to go to... Uh, we were... I'd go to my grandfather's house, and he'd always have we would he'd have cable. We did too, but we were poor, so we never had like the Nickelodeon, the Disney channels. You know when they used to be premiums. Oh yeah, no, I had those. And uh, so I used to watch it all the time. I, Disney or Nickelodeon, I forget which one, but whatever. Fuck you, James. <laughs> <laughs> my family was torn apart by divorce. Yeah, my parents love each other. Yeah. <laughs> And now I'm reminiscing about my grandfather, who also died, oh, so God. so fuck you, James. Uh, now I genuinely feel like an asshole. Yeah, you should. Oh, man. Awesome. Okay. Fucking wipe that corn nugget off your asshole. <laughs> that's how irritating you are right now. <laughs> I don't know either. That's weird. Oh. <laughs> candy corn, right? You said candy corn. Candy yes. corn, yeah. This is a Halloween show, guys. <laughs> Keep oh, it that's rolling. That's a great pick, though, um, right? Carol, I just want to point out that your son's picking on me because my parents got divorced and my grandfather died. <laughs> I never said that. At the same time? Um, no, I mean, it's like 20 years apart, but still. <laughs> the wound is fresh. Axe wound, oh. or Halloween show. Zach. Oh, oh okay. Uh, my number 10. Um, offend one and you offend them all. It's freaks. We didn't lie to you, folks. We told you we had living, breathing monstrosities. You laughed at them. Shuddered at them. And yet, but for the accident of birth, 
you might be even as they are. They did not ask to be brought into the world, but into the world they came. Their code is a law unto themselves. Offend one, and you offend them all. And now, folks, if you'll just step this way, you are about to witness the most amazing, the most astounding living monstrosity of all time. Friends, she was once a beautiful woman, a royal prince shot himself for love of her. She was known as the peacock of the air. Miss Wahan, she's the most beautiful big woman I have ever seen. Why, Han, how you talk? I should be jealous pretty soon. Ah, don't be silly. Don't be silly. I've seen these women making ice at my hand. Of course, I am jealous. Oh, freedom, my dear. I have ice for only one woman. The woman I asked to be my wife. I don't know what that movie is. That reminds me, I saw a dwarf before I came here. Not that they're freaks, but... <laughs> <laughs> all right. And wow. This review is over. Yeah, um, all right. Damn, yeah. I meant to say that before the show started. Uh, it's Todd Browning's follow-up to Dracula from the 1930s, uh, and it stars an actual sideshow uh, cast, um, including the Hilton twins, who I've discussed before on a documentary uh, called Bound by Flesh. Um, it, it's only 60 minutes. It's it's a it's a quick watch. Um, it's incredibly dark for a movie of that era. Um, especially when you consider the fact that one of the characters is castrated and the other one is transformed into a horrible duck creature at the D- end of it. Duck creature? Yeah, duck creature. I am in. Um, and um, But uh, the, the, the acting, eh, it's, you know, it's sideshow performers. They're not really actors. They're known for being circus performers. So uh, it's not really great acting, but the story is very interesting. It's based on a short story called Spurs. And... Uh, if you've read the short story, Spurs, it's even darker than this film, and this film goes into some pretty dark territories. So, hmm. so yeah, that's my number 10, Freaks. It's cool. whacktastic. Because <laughs> they're ducks. And this review's over again. Gotcha. <laughs> Understood. Cool. So it was Tusk before there was Tusk. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was Tusk, only it didn't outstay its welcome. Um, <laughs> cool. Is it, is it me? Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Uh, it's my number two. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Uh, yeah, my number ten is a movie we reviewed on this here show. Uh, it is a film from 2011 called Fright Night. Hey, mom. Hey, just checking in. What you up to? Uh. Adam Johnson. Adam. You know Adam's missing, right? Right? Kids aren't coming to school. It happens all the time. I don't know if you're paying attention to Roll Call, but he's not the only one that's gone. You're nuts. This is my son, Charlie, and his girlfriend. Hi. So Jerry is our new neighbor. 
Hey. Hey. Now listen to me. We dropped up all the disappearances. That's you right there in the center next to his house. I really hate to be the one to tell you this, but that guy, your neighbor? Jerry. Yeah, he's a vampire. <laughs> that is a terrible vampire name. Jerry? I've been watching you. Your mom, but there's a kind of uh, neglect, gives off a scent. And your girl, she's ripe. It's on you to look out for them, because there are a lot of bad people out there, Charlie. What's that? I'm gonna end him, or he's gonna end me. That's how it's gonna be. Charlie's gonna find me. I'm counting on it. You smell that? It's your fear. Shit! Hit him! Did I kill him? Hopefully. Yeah, I just had to get this on here because this is the only, like, fun horror movie that I probably watch at least once a year since it came out. Uh, which is so weird because that's not usually <laughs> my jam. Um, but I just think this is a really fun, uh, exciting movie. And, and Colin Farrell is awesome. Um, yeah, it's. It, I'm sure that, like, every purist horror film is like, oh, come on. Like, that's the fucking shitty remake and whatever. You know, that movie is fantastic actually i think it's one of the remakes that people enjoy yeah i don't think it's uh when before it came out obviously people were upset yeah going, you can't remake a movie that's 30 years old who fucking cares right um <laughs> and, and then they saw it and it's written by marty Knoxon, of course from bucky the vampire slayer fame yeah and it's funny um, and it's violent you know yeah. it's it's well, fun it's like it's not it's it's not like super dependent on gore. It's not at um, all. But the suspense is so great. Like when he sneaks into the house and and he's you know trying to sneak around and Colin Farrell keeps well and you know like Colin Farrell knows he's there and is deliberately doing things to, to screw with him. Um, like that whole sequence is so cool and just like the 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 whole premise of basically it's it's rear window but with a vampire right like it's yeah. hey I'm pretty sure my next door neighbor is a vampire and I got to figure out like how to deal with this. Um, is, is great. I think Imogene Poots's character is is really fun, uh, and like her, you know, having some agency and and you know, fighting him off as often as she does, and then like the whole, you know, ending there uh, is just it's really it's really wonderful. I, I I enjoy that movie quite a bit. So yeah, great. People should go watch Fright Night. They should. My you guys are burning through your stuff. I didn't see Fright Night, so I have oh you didn't. Contribute. Oh, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, you either should. one actually. So, oh. huh. I've only seen it once, so I, well, I guess there's I three. Don't remember I, it that well. I think the first Fright Night is streaming on 
Amazon <clears throat> for free. Yeah. Prime. It was I, I saw or recently saw I don't remember where. Okay. But the Blu-ray is was a limited edition one that sold out, so I've Yeah. Stupidly. Huh. What do I know? Cool. Well, uh, Ryan, your number 10. Uh my number 10 is like I said, this is more I like a Halloween party playlist and when I watch this movie, I all I can think about is my friend to the end and my number 10 is Child's Play. Everyone has a birthday they'll always remember. Can we open my presents now, Mommy? A good guy! I knew it! <laughs> I, I'm Chucky. He's something, isn't he? This is Andy's. Time for bed, Andy. Good night, baby. Good night, Aunt Maggie. Good night, Chucky. Everyone knows most accidents happen at home. How did that happen? This is no accident. Andy! I'm Detective Mike Norris. Homicide. Andy! Miss Peterson's dead, Miss Barkley. She fell from the kitchen window. Someone's moved in with the Barkley family. And so has terror. Nobody believes you about Chucky. Came alive in my hand. I, I, I. Oh, for God's sake! Why won't you believe? Because I'm sane. This is Barkley, sane and rational. No one believes the truth. <laughs> or lives to tell it. There's nothing nice about murder. <laughs> There's nothing innocent about child's play. The fucking one with the talking doll? Yeah. Spoiler alert! Yeah. <laughs> Don't you mean Annabelle? No. no. <laughs> Annabelle, directed by the guy who directed Mortal Kombat Annihilation. No. Really? <laughs> oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. Wow. And you know what the biggest problem with Annabelle is? The direction. Uh, no. Uh, anyways, Child's Play is obviously the, as a classic Halloween. Movie, yeah. yeah. So it's the first Chucky. Uh, the the story's kind of goofy. It's a, the the serial killer is being chased by cops and he's chased into a toy factory of the good guys' toys. And uh, he is into voodoo, so he places his soul inside of a doll. So that, and then the doll comes to life. And um, as Chucky, Charles Lee Ray is the name of the serial killer. So Charles Lee Ray gets into Chucky, and he realizes that he can switch his, put his soul into a little boy, and have a body again. Um, the story is really goofy, but what makes the movie fun is that effects are really cool, like the animatronic little Chucky, and uh, the Chucky's really funny. He says things like uh oh look honey there's one of those good guy dolls oh he doesn't look very nice and then the guys get out of the elevator and he's like fuck you <laughs> and, uh there's a really funny part where because uh, it's kind of like a dark comedy horror thing and the mom is trying to convince people 
that the doll is alive. And so she's like beating him up, and she's like, "Say something, say something." She's beating him up. He's just like, "I'll fucking kill you, you fucking bitch!" And like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny. And uh, correct uh, me if I'm wrong, but didn't they play it off in the for the first like twenty or so minutes in the movie that it wasn't the doll? Like, well, yeah, well, they're playing off that Andy's doing it, the little yeah, boy in it. That's it, that's what I love about that first film is that you don't know whether it could be the doll or not. Like, well, no, I mean you know. <laughs> They, well, they, they, Zach they, didn't know. I was they, young when I saw it. They, uh, and they also have the so when Chucky does his fights and stuff, they have you know a midget dressed up as Chucky. Um, so. I'm I'm fascinated that I've gone my whole life and not realized that was. I always just assumed it was an evil doll. Like, I did not realize no, that it's, like it's the a, soul of a serial killer yeah, escapes and voodoo's himself. I, the whole time you were talking, I was just flabbergasted. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the plot line for the first three movies is him trying to put his soul into Andy, so he can um, so, not be in a doll anymore. So does does Jennifer Tilly eventually get murdered and then voodooed into a doll? Yeah, that's uh, that's the fourth part. Okay, and then they the have sex and they and they have a kid who's that seed into of Chucky, which is awful. Okay, but if you want to see the the newest one, I think came out in 2013 called Curse of Chucky. Yeah, is really good. Um, it, Rat it poison. Yeah, it, oh yeah, it plays kind of like a haunted house movie. Okay. Uh, it's it's actually surprisingly really good. Interesting. That went to straight to DVD. Um, cool. All right. But yeah. Learn something new every day. Yep. So cursing murderous dolls are really funny. <laughs> cool. Brad. Um, my number nine is. Field of Dreams, because Kevin and Costner does baseball against ghosts. Joke doesn't get old, people. The joke <laughs> does not get old. Just kidding, it's Evil Dead 2. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, Something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2. movie on the list and like my favorite is army of darkness mm. but it's more of a like way more comedic yeah than, and like evil dead 2 is the better version of evil dead so if i had to pick of the three for halloween i right. chose evil dead 2 so which That's is great. it has gore and it has some humor to it and uh, a genuine spook factor to it so 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's super over the top. And what's great about the film is you have to have a performer like Bruce Campbell who's willing to put himself through that physical comedy and sell his. I still think one of the greatest scenes in horror movies ever is when his hand is possessed and he's fighting it and smashing plates over his head and dragging himself across the floor and um, you know then he chops it off and has lines like "Who's laughing now?" and uh, yeah, the movie's great. It's an awesome movie. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. Yeah, I, I, uh, I still think, you know, there, there is parts that are pretty uh, scary in it. When he is uh, that dead by dawn part where all the animal heads are, like, turning at him and laughing at him, then his girlfriend's head falls in his lap is great. Yeah. And it has trademark Raimi stuff in it where the humor not necessarily is written to be funny, but it's so over the top and it's performed a certain way that it makes it really funny. And, you know, that developed who Sam Raimi is. I think Evil Dead was unintentionally funny. Yeah. And then I think with Evil Dead 2, he really kind of honed in his skills as a filmmaker and the tone that he puts in almost every single one of his movies. Uh, So, yeah, it's a great movie. Awesome. Good choice. My number nine is uh, a debut film from a director who's been maligned very viciously by us over the past two weeks. Uh, my number nine is House of a Thousand Corpses. Howdy, folks. You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? On a stormy Halloween night, four young people set out across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as... Dr. Satan. You know anything about the legend of Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. Dr. Satan! Ah, Dr. Satan! What they uncovered... You ain't seen nothing yet. ...is the most horrifying and shocking tale of carnage ever seen. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. You seen this girl? Yeah, they want to play Nancy Drew with this local legend that people call Dr. Satan. Stupid kids probably got themselves lost. Let's get out of this nut house. The Boogeyman is real. And you found him. From director Rob Zombie (laughs) comes a journey into hell. This can't be real, this can't be real, this can't be real. (laughs) House of a Thousand Corpses. Hope you like what you see! (laughs) Dr. Satan! (laughs) Dr. Satan! Dr. Satan! Maybe he lives next door to you. Um, uh, yeah, it's Rob Zombie's first film. And uh, it's about a bunch of kids who drive around to look at offbeat roadside attractions. And then they wind up at this house in the middle of a rainstorm. And it's filled with murderous maniacs. Played by Bill Mosley, Sherry Moon Zombie, Karen Black. And, uh, um, oh gosh, who's, who's the guy who plays Tiny? He was in um, Big Fish as well. Matthew McGorry. Matthew McGorry. Oh. Matthew McGorry. Um, who passed away after Devil's Rejects was shot. Um, I like the tone of the film and the campiness of it. And um, 
Bill Mosley does a really good uh, uh, Charles Manson impression throughout the entire film. Um, but um, And I also kind of dig the aesthetic style that Rob chose to shoot it almost like a pseudo music video near the end because at some point it turns into like a, a bunch of like beaming colored lights just flashing down on the uh, victims and the killers and um, some of the stuff doesn't make sense in that movie I've realized over the years like I don't know who, like I, I, it's Earl the guy with the uh, uh, mask mm-hmm. I really don't know what he's there for and what he has to do with the whole Dr. Satan lore. I guess he's like his bodyguard or something like that. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it in so long I couldn't tell you. Yeah, so, but uh, solid performances all around. And Sid Haig. I'm a, I'm a Sid Haig guy. Um, dating back to his work with Jack Hill with um, Spider Baby, yeah, 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 and uh, uh, Coffee and Foxy Brown. So um, it's always fun to see him in a movie. So, yeah, that's my number nine. Yeah, no, Sid Haig is good in that movie. Yeah. And I don't have to put up with as much Sherry Moon Zombie, so it's pretty good. I was good. just going to ask, does Sherry Moon Zombie survive? I actually think she dies in that, doesn't she? No, she they they die at the end of Devil's Reach. Oh, that's right. She goes down as a hero after she raped and murdered somebody. Chinese, Japanese, dirty <laughs> knees. Look at these. Oh, man, these Kit Kats are melted. Are they still melted? Oh, yeah. There we go. This one's a good one. All right. They melted, so I freezed them. Oh, well, I apparently guess. not enough. Well, no, no, it Starburst wasn't. Don't freeze. It was. It was sorry. It was not. It was not squishy melted. It was uh, some kind of freak, if you will. It was a freak Kit Kat. You know, some kind of duck boy of a Kit Kat. Anyway, <laughs> are we on my number nine? <laughs> okay, um, Is my he number usurping nine. Usurping my choice at number ten. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, yeah. Duck boy really opened up your imagination, didn't it? Did, it? it did. Yeah. Um, so my number nine. There's. There's. There's two quick caveats on this. One is that this movie has a pretty special place in, in my heart and probably a relationship to our show. Um, and the other thing is that this is also the most dramatic that any of the films on my list will get. Uh, my number nine is The Battery. They can take our bones and bury them deep under the river but we'll still be together and we cannot be defeated they can take our trombones and pack them down there with us but no matter how long it takes us we will not be defeated when we dance we dance together under the moon and under the I want to sleep in a house, in a bed, like a real human. You need to wake up and realize this is how it is out here now. Nobody's going to flip the switch back on. premiere of this movie 
uh, which is part of why like I uh, it always has a special place in my heart. Um, but also, I genuinely like when I when I think on on all of the the movies that cata- that can fall into a horror movie category um, that I genuinely love. Uh, this is certainly up there. I mean, when we first saw this, and you get to slight spoilers for this movie, though you should go rent it on Amazon. Um, yeah, when when we get to that third act and our characters get trapped in this one location, like something that has been like a pretty cool little indie drama slash horror movie, like turns into a genuinely thrilling uh, set piece, uh, and it's just such a for a for a micro budget film uh, is a really enjoyable little horror movie. Um, with, as, as you'll see from pretty much everything on my list, with really great characters that I that I care about, um, I think it's a, you know one of the few hor- like zombie movies on my list as well. Um, but yeah, no people people should go check out the Battery for sure. No, it's definitely one of the movies that I saw that took me by surprise. Yeah, and I when sometimes when we interview people, I'm like, oh no, your movie's good, and it isn't at all. <laughs> And, uh, That's a good thing to admit on the air. <laughs> hey, you know, if if you think it might be you, it probably is. <laughs> All right, fuck you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Twombly. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing more fucking Twombly. Um, <laughs> but no, it's one of those movies. Cause you also, never know. also Michael Uslan and The Dark Knight. I mean, really? Come on, yeah. Buddy. You know, it's one of those movies that it, it surprised me. Yeah, how well it was made. How well. Because when you hear it's ten thousand dollar movie and it's a zombie movie, you're like, great. Oh, good. But then yeah. you know they purposely made it where you're not focusing on the zombies. It's more right. about you know Mickey and. Yeah, I mean, if if it weren't for the third act, I wouldn't have put it on the list because I, I it would have just not been a horror movie. You know, um, it would have been a movie with zombies in it. That's really a drama about two guys just trying to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. The third act is really the part where, like, it, oh, yeah, no, the, the horror of the world that they're living in comes into your reality. Uh, and I, I just thought it was such an, an inventive structure of a film. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I love that thing. So, yeah. Cool. Brian, you're number nine. Um, my number nine is also about uh, a small, murderous person. <laughs> um, he's not an elf. He's not a dwarf, guys. He's a leprechaun. (laughs) The luck of the Irish is being packed and shipped to a little town in South Dakota whose luck may have just run out.
It's out of the crate. And now he's in the hood. No. <laughs> no. Uh, this is a first leprechaun. I, I just used to rent this all the time with my friend Brandon at Blockbuster. Uh, I still watch it to this day. I still think it's a really funny movie. Um, it's Obviously, it's not a great movie, but what it takes is a committed performance from Warwick Davis to sell the film. And he plays this murderous leprechaun crazy and he goes all in and you I mean Warwick Davis is already a great actor so you're elevating a script that is I mean garbage and for him to not only embrace it but to go on and be in six or five other ones and he, there's a great uh, if you get the blu-ray of the complete leprechaun collection he actually does commentary on all of them and he talks about in the first one that no one was hiring him, that no one would give him the opportunity to be an actor. And so they came to him with Leprechaun, and he said, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm a classically trained actor. I'm not going to – obviously, he's going to make it campy and up it, but in the right hands, much like I think Bruce Campbell is Ash, if in the right hands, it's going to be – you're going to sell it the right way. And he's really great in it. Um, it's Jennifer Aniston's first movie. I was just, just going to say, is this actually on your list because it's got Jennifer well, Aniston Well, that too. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it, he's really funny. There's a part where he's driving uh, uh, like a Hot Wheels, uh, Big Wheels uh, on the street, and a cop pulls him over, and he says, aren't you a little young to be driving? And he said, young? I'm over 400 years old. And, ah, smart ass. And then it's just stupid and funny. You should really watch it. It's goofy. That's cool. Yep. So Leprechaun is my <laughs> number nine movie. <laughs> I never would have expected that. <laughs> uh, cool. Fred? Uh, my number eight is A Christmas Carol, because Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by three ghosts. Nice. <laughs> Just kidding. It's... I really hope you have ten of these. <laughs> it's Repo the Genetic Opera. By the middle of the 21st century, organ failure had become a worldwide epidemic. But Geneco was there to satisfy the demand for organ replacements. The problem is, if you miss a payment, Geneco sends out the repo man. And when he finds you, your time is up. This payment is past due. Everybody, everybody, oh yeah. Stand up. <laughs> people, people, people. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Look what I've become. It's me she must escape. What? 
this movie's fucking weird. <laughs> it is, uh, but it's it's got like it's it's got like a haunted house production yeah. design to it, um, and it was really cool because <laughs> the way I got introduced to it was I was just going to the mine one day to watch one movie, and I got there and there's this line around the block, and I asked someone like, "What are you guys standing around for?" and um, they were they were waiting for a repo of the genetic opera, and I think. Darren Lynn Bowsman was there. No, no, the the original playwright Terrence Zudnick was there. Um, so I was like, uh, "Can I switch my ticket to this thing?" And it was <laughs> it was fun, and I heard him talk about the movie and stuff. And uh, um, I thought the music in the in the, uh, the movie's good, and uh, it was a good time. Enjoyed it. Um, it's it's gory and uh, has a little bit of humor. It's it's a little campy and over the top, but um, it's fun. Cool. You, know you want it, baby? Gene Co's got it. Yeah. One of my favorite songs from that soundtrack. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Zach, you're number eight. <sighs> Your mother sucks cocks in hell, James. Dude. My <laughs> That's seven. harsh. I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that was called for. My His number... mom listens to this show. <laughs> She's my like number one fan. <laughs> my number eight is The Exorcist. Somewhere between science and superstition. There is another world. The world of darkness. Nobody expected it. Nobody believed it. And nothing could stop it. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. I'm telling you that that thing upstairs isn't my daughter. Now, I want you to tell me that you know for a fact that there's nothing wrong with my daughter except in her mind. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that! One hope. The only hope. The exorcist. I'm sorry, Carol. Oh, because that line's from that movie. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were just antagonizing her. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, it's the exorcist. What else do you have to say about... What, what what hasn't been said about that film before? Um, I'm surprised that it still scares the shit out of me every time I watch it. Does it? Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> not not making that up. <laughs> does it not scare you, James? I, yeah, I seen it once. I mean, and I get scared by ET. So if it doesn't scare me like that, you know. But then you're a pussy, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also like. I look back on it when 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 I saw it, I I could appreciate it from like a a film history moment. Right, the technical like, level on that film is yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So th- there's stuff in there that I can imagine was just insanely terrifying to anyone who saw that at the time. You know, um, but that's cool. That's a good one. anybody yeah. Anybody else love The Exorcist? No, I saw it twice when they released it in theaters, like in early 2000. Yeah, um, and I was like. Either edition. Not sure what the big deal is. Either edition is fine. It's creepy, but yeah. Yeah. 
I wasn't like, oh my god, I can't. It scares me to my core, not really. <laughs> cool. Wimp. No, I, think, <laughs> I think The Exorcist is actually a really great movie. Um, I think it suffers a lot, kind of like how The Shining suffers, where... Its reputation. Its reputation precedes the actual yeah. film. Yeah, because I will say I like the story. Like the story of the of the priest, I I enjoy. It's the scary bits that I'm like, well, all right, I don't know that I care that much. I actually find like the Catholicism elements of it are what's terrifying. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty much it. <what. laughs> like I don't know if you've ever been to like the East Coast and gone to like like really Catholic stuff out there. Yeah, but it gets. It's a bit <laughs> intimidating. Personal yeah. savior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck being saved. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Cool. cool. Is that an upside down cross I see on your wall? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the nail came out of it. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah, because I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. What up, Jesus? Come and get me, bro. <laughs> cool. All right. Is it my number eight? Yes? Yeah. Uh, my number eight is one that I went back and forth on whether or not I should include this because sure it is ridiculously irreverent but it's also I think a really fun movie that people should watch come the Halloween time uh, my number eight is Shaun of the Dead do you ever think that modern life is not for you the same dead-end job every day is your love life dying on its feet to a wonderful mom have you ever felt that you're turning into a zombie maybe you're not alone although no one official is prepared to comment religious groups are calling it judgment day it is vital that you stay in your home Avoid all physical contact with the assailants. So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Why have we got a girl, Lizzie? Because I love her. All right, gay. Do something! Wait there. Hold it there. I'm coming! It's hard not to love this movie. Uh, I often yeah. forget about it as being like a like a Halloween ish qualifying movie because it's yeah. so fun. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, a really well done like zombie movie comedy. Um, I think the reason why I still put it here, because I eliminated most of the stuff that's a comedy off my list, is because it is still um, you know, it, it is still a commentary on the genre. Like it, uh, as with all of the Cornetto trilogy films, like they are commentary, commentary and deconstruction on, while also being an entry into their particular genre. Um, and I can say that, like, it's it's a movie that when my mom watched it and that guy got torn apart at the end, she was like, "I didn't need that," and I was like, "Okay, great." So then it must be a horror movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think it's really wonderful, and you know, honestly, educated me probably a lot at the time on like a bunch of horror movie references that I didn't understand. Uh, and then, of course, as time went on, I found out why they're coming to get you, Barbara, is really mm-hmm. funny. 
Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think it's really fantastic. So I think it it's not on my list, not because right. it doesn't deserve to be on there, right? Because it's one of my most favorite movies ever, right? Um, it, I don't. There's just so many gems I can pick on it. Uh, to me, what makes Edgar Wright such a great filmmaker and Simon Pegg such a fun actor? Mm-hmm. Most people will think eh, whatever about this scene, but there's a part after they um, they're in the guy's backyard and they're just across from the Winchester, and Sean says, "I'll have a look," and the camera never moves from like where he was originally going up the slide steps. Yeah. He goes up there and it, it stays on his feet and he comes back down and he has this look on his face and uh, they say, what's wrong? They're out there. There's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and then the camera pans up in a crane shot and there's, you know, thousands of zombies out there. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's like a throwaway scene, but to me that symbolizes the movie. Right. Because I, I just think it's so great how well that scene plays. Yeah. Uh, it ends up coming off at times like that. It comes off less like a. It comes off more like here's what normal people might really mm-hmm. be like in this situation, where if this stuff that we've all, that is such a part of pop culture became true, like this might be how normal people actually react to it, uh, which is part of why I think it's so much fun. So, yeah, it's, and who doesn't love, you know, the interplay between um, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg? Oh, it's great. Uh, yeah. You know, just <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just love it. Yep, <laughs> that's all I can say about that film. So throwaway line uh, when he's walking back to the shop, um, and he's uh, this zombie comes up to him and just goes, mm-hmm. "He's like, I don't even have any change today, man." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what makes that so clever is it's the same shot. Yeah. Right. Now you're yeah. seeing the destruction of you know humanity, humanity, and that's what yeah. makes them great filmmakers too. And it's it's actually a commentary on sort of the the whole idea of those those George Romero zombie movies where all the people are still doing the things right like in the in those movies it mm-hmm. was about how these people turn into zombies and then end up going and doing a lot of the same things they were doing before yeah it, that same joke is playing there so if you know that about horror films it has an extra layer to it but the joke is also funny if you don't you know yeah um, it's yeah the movie is great so cool. That was an original pressing. <laughs> uh, Ryan, you're number eight. Eight. Um, this is kind of a newer. Well, I guess not really that new now. Um, it's been like three weeks. So yeah, it came out three weeks ago. It's called. Um, it's called the accountant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I I do like horror anthology films. I think they can. The the biggest problem usually with anthology movies. Because there's, like, two or three that are really great, and then you have two that are like, eh, like, you know, the rest drag. But this film, they're actually all really good. They're all tied up really nicely, and they all have to do with a little little dude who has, like, a pumpkin head. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, my number eight is Trick or Treat. During the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. (laughs) 
all sorts of things. Rome free. Sorry. All these traditions. Wait, wait. What? You're supposed to keep it lit. Why? Ancient tradition? Putting on costumes. I look like I'm five. You look great. What did we do now? We meet our dicks. Jack-o'-lanterns. Why are we here? To pay our respects to the dead? The Halloween school bus massacre. They started to protect us, but... Morning, guys. How are you doing down there? Hiding bodies? <laughs> Nowadays, no one really cares. This one's the lit. What is that? It's them. Oh my god. Look at me. It's not a trick. It's real. Tonight it's about respecting the customs, not breaking them. This is a favorite of me and my wife's to watch on Halloween, mm-hmm. um, uh, literally Halloween Day. It's just because it's a clever little dark comedy. Um, I mean, it has pretty much everything: vampires, werewolves. Do you watch it during the day because it spooks you out too much? Yes. You gotta watch it when the lights are on. No, I watch it at night because I have a little two-year-old boy. Oh, oh, shoot. Okay, now I know where you're... I thought you were going to say, like, oh, I watch it at night because my little two-year-old boy needs to see it. No, because I don't want him to see it. Oh, gotcha. Right. Um, but no, the the movie's fun, and I think the little boy Sam has kind of become a horror icon. Yeah. Uh, and a film that was never put into theaters and kind of just thrown away has become, like, a really big cult movie. Right. Uh and it deserves to be because it's really well done. All the actors in it are really great. And, yeah, it's fun. I mean... How many stories are in it? Oh, Four? man, five. Okay. Four or five. Uh, because they all kind of tie together. You know, Dylan Baker's in it. He plays a, a teacher that poisons the candy for kids. Um, puts, you know, razor blades and stuff in them. And he's a murderer. You know, it's... And then it has a ghost story about the kids who are in a school bus. The uh, mentally challenged kids that... The driver didn't like him, so drove it into the lake. Um, yeah, there's just lots of little creepy things in it, and really well done. Cool, cool, cool. Yep. One of these times, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you're gonna have something on your list that I've seen, so I can talk about it. <laughs> um, well, you can borrow the stuff. Everything I've said, I've had. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so my number seven, round seven, right? Yeah. My number seven know. is The Wizard of Oz because it has a bunch of witches and <laughs> bat-winged monkeys in it. Just kidding, it's Freddy vs. Jason.
you die! Like, like all great... Uh, Place your bets. <laughs> like all great uh, Michael Mike Myers jokes, the more you beat this horse to death, the funnier it gets. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Freddy vs. Jason. Well, like that too. Screen, no, man. yeah. The movie's awesome. <laughs> no, I love Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, it's so much fun. And uh, watching the Never Sleep Again documentary yesterday just like reinvigorated my like um, like passion for it. Like, uh, I... You know, they pointed out some things I never like really considered. Uh, uh, and if you watch all the films, uh, like they show how the studio wanted to go with it for like years, mm. and then they relinquished to just like let's just focus on being true to the characters, and that's what they do in the movie. And I think it's really brilliant that they use like because um, there are always like these uh, other plots that they're going to use of like like the heroes have to collect like five artifacts to stop Freddy or something. Yeah. Um, when it's it's really cool that Freddy. Um, inhabits Jason's dreams in order to get out. Um, I forget what the actual like way to do that was going to be, but um, um, well, he was using Jason's uh, mother to make him right. come back to life and kill the kids on Elm Street, and because Freddy is now an, an afterthought, so the the only way Freddy gets strong is by people Dying. telling him he's strong and afraid of him. So he uses Jason, knowing if he kills people on Elm Street they will blame Freddy for it. And the whole throwdown is because Freddy gets pissed because Jason's killing everybody. Yeah, he's getting all the credit. Yeah, Which, so. is, which is pretty smart when you think about it. Yeah, smart way to pit those two against each other. And then the end is, you know, even though, like, Freddy knows kung fu for some reason, because <laughs> um, it's, it's a very, like, I think it's a Hong Kong action director. So, <laughs> yeah, running you. Yeah. But I think the, the, the set pieces are great. Um, oh, no, the final battle between the two, where it takes place in the dream world and then takes place in the real world, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just awesome. I mean, I remember being in the theater seeing it, and people were cheering when Jason grabbed Freddy and, like, like dragged him through the the wall and then, like, threw him, like, 50 feet in the air. Um, And then Freddy, like, hits those compressed air canisters and, like, (laughs) blows Jason across, like, into, yeah. And then the whole cabin blows up, like, a action movie and explosion (laughs) thing. It's just, like, yeah. Because that's Um, the thing is, you know, I'm sure they mentioned in the documentary, if you're going to make the movie, just go for fucking broke. Because you, you you can't make the fight between them, and I think that's I, I've read a lot of the original scripts. You, you you can't make the fight between them pussy. Just make it over the top. Make them chopping each other up. And there's a really funny line in the making of it. I think on the actual DVD of Freddy vs Jason, where Ronnie Yu just says more blood, more blood. That's all he wanted was when they're fighting and chopping each other up, blood spurting everywhere. Um, he likened it to a WWF match. He said, mm. I'm just going to make it so over the top That's and so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wes Craven's on the documentary saying, like, yeah, I didn't really dig it because it didn't, like, speak to any element of the human condition. I'm like, I don't go to see Freddy vs. Jason to, like, <laughs> analyze the human condition. I went to, I want to see them fight. Um, even if I don't care who wins, like, yeah. um, I came to see, like, how are these people going to utilize each of their powers against each other? Like, what kind of cleverness is going to be in there? Exactly. And, yeah. You know, because you do, there's a lot of taking the script for what it is, you know, because there's a lot of 
weird exposition. And I understand they have to do it. And I don't know how they drive from Crystal Lake to Springfield all the time. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because what matters is those two fighting. Mm. And it's really cool because the original ending is god-awful. And oh, yeah. uh, I remember them they screened it and people hated it. And so Robert Shea, who kind of is the head of New Line or used to be, said, hey, I have an idea. How about Jason pops out of the water holding Freddy's head? And then Freddy winks at the camera, and then nobody really knows who wins. And everybody's happy, and I think the ending is badass. Well, Ronnie, you, he did the popping out of the water because he's a fan of Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to like recreate that shot. So it's fun. Yeah. I, I, no, I freaking love that movie. I really do. Yeah, tons of fun. Cool. My number seven is a film from 1933 that um, I don't think it's enough credit. Um, my number seven is The Invisible Man. Bandages right up to the top of his head, all around his ears. Flora's worried about Griffin. I had a terrible feeling last night. I felt he was in desperate trouble. He meddled in things men should leave alone. Not the slightest clue. That's where the clues are. He wasn't leaving anything to chance. There must be a way back. God, he knows there's a way back. I need help! If only you could leave me alone. It's the stranger with the goggles. He's gone mad. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. <laughs> But why? Why do it, Griffin? Just a scientific experiment at first, to do something no other man in the world had done. Suddenly I realized the power I held, the power to rule, to make the world corroborate my feet. You know who the Invisible Man is, Doctor. Where is Dr. Griffin? What's the good of concealing it? Oh, come and stay with us. Let's fight this thing out together. Police, quickly. The Invisible Man is in my house. He's mad. He's killed a man tonight. Believe me, as surely as the moon will set and the sun will rise, I shall kill you tomorrow night. The secret of invisibility lies there in my books. Don't you see what it means? Power. Power to walk into the gold vaults of the nations, into the secrets of kings, into the Holy of Holies. squealing in terror at the touch of my little invisible finger. Even the moon's frightened of me. The whole world's frightened to death. I laid traps that even an invisible man can't pass. Here stations now. Watch the wall. monsters starring claude rains um probably the the most homicidal of them all how many people does he kill in that movie over 100 uh roughly 100 yeah like, like and it's one all by with... one or oh he, he yeah he... It, one a minute it yeah. just starts one a minute <laughs> in a 70 minute movie <laughs> there's a counter in the corner no it, it starts with him going into this inn that during like a snowy night and, and he just wants to be left alone yeah but he 
causes a whole train derailment and killing all yeah. the people on the train. So that's oh, okay. technically why he's got a high body count. I don't, I don't know. It's not comparable with Jason, but he does a lot more damage in one movie than most people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It, 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 I mean, Claude Rains is amazing mm-hmm. in that movie. I mean, absolutely amazing. At one point, I, I think what sells it for me in that film is when he, uh, he, uh, uh, he has a basket in his hand and he goes, mm-hmm. "Here we go, gathering nuts and berries, nuts yeah. and berries, nuts and berries." Because the, the, the whole premise is the longer he stays invisible, the more mad he becomes. Yeah. yeah, and he the more driven towards world domination. Like essentially, like uh, he, nobody will see him come, nobody will see him go. He can, uh, he can hear every secret. He can rob and rape and pillage and plunder. And then he just throws shit at a window. <laughs> um, but that performance is powerful. And then I'll also the way he, the way he kills Kent, is just diabolical. I, th- I, I, th- I think he's scary. Like, I really do. Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons why I think that it's. I, I don't know why it doesn't get the same credit it does that uh, that the other monster movies. Do I don't know either because the special effects are pretty amazing for the time, especially. I think they still hold up really well. Oh yeah. And how they did it is they just had him wear what, like a black velvet something over his head. Yeah, and then they uh, shot three different uh, three different times mm-hmm. the um, for the special effect. So, so yeah, that's my number seven, the Invisible Man. I mean, the Invisible Man special effects work better in that movie than they did in um, League of Extraordinary Man. Gentlemen. Oh, okay, that one or, too. Yeah, or Hollow Man. <laughs> cool. Uh, my number seven, right? We're on seven. Okay. My number seven is a very recent film. Um, that it's sort of seven. Got, no. That, that is on my list of things that I thought about putting on here and then was like, nah, that, uh, I'm not going to go there. Um, my, my number seven is a, a very recent film that sort of got its hooks in me and that I, I couldn't stop thinking about. Um, my number seven is It Follows. I used to daydream about being old enough to go on dates. I had this image of myself. Holding hands with a really cute guy. Driving along some pretty road. It's never about going anywhere, really. It's having some sort of freedom, I guess. Okay. You awake? What are you doing? You're not gonna believe me. And I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing, it's gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. I'm scared. I need to find him. What did he really do to you? Apparently, he used a fake name to rent a house in the city. This isn't real. I swear to you, this is just some game. If it kills her, it gets me and goes straight down the line whoever started it. What exactly is supposed to be following you? I don't know. Something happened. That's not what she thinks, okay? You don't believe me. Mom? No, it's me. Everything's okay. It could look like someone you know, or it could be a stranger in a crowd. Whatever helps it get close to you. Do 
Yeah, so uh, I mean, I've talked about this movie a lot. It's one of those from the last couple of years where, for some reason, like it's a horror movie, but I liked it. Um, I think the my my only actual problems with the movie are the times when it like tries to be kind of a horror movie. So when the when it turns into scary things, those are the times where I'm like, oh, come on. Like the truth is, the, the it is scarier when it's just an old guy in a field walking at you, and you're like, "Ew, old people are creepy." Um, no, kidding. And um, and the old dude hanging out on the roof of the house with his dong hanging out. Yeah, right. Yeah, like oh, it's so weird. Um, but like the whole premise of that movie, uh, and sort of the 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 commentary that's going on there, uh, I think is is really fantastic, um, and is one that I was really moved by. Like the way that I interpret the end of that film. Um, as this very accepting, like, you know, it's a, it, for me, it's a horror movie that ends with, like, why are you even afraid of the monster? Like, yes, it's coming for you, but so is just, like, death. So let's move on. Um, I, I, I think it's actually a really kind of hopeful little ending to a really, at times, terrifying movie. Uh, and the acting, I, I think the performances in that movie are great. Uh, so, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. No, it follows as one of the best horror films to come out in a long time. It, um, I think it's so interesting that the it walks so slow. Yeah. And I think that adds to the creepiness that, because no matter what you do, it's still going to walk after you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because I always, I had that conversation too. Well, what if you fly to like England or something? How long would it take for it to get there? It's going to take a while. I mean, it's still going to come get you. And the, pro- you. the problem is the further it is from you, the the more you don't know when it's going to get there. Right. Exactly. Like, the better chance it has of creeping up on you because you're going to get comfortable. Whereas if it's always right behind you, you always know where it is. Um, yeah, no, man. It's such a good, like, it's a premise that you keep thinking about for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, and I think the the opening sequence of that movie is really horrific. I think so, too. Um, not just, well, okay, so the opening sequence is, but then also the, the, the first act, I should say, of her basically being, like, hunted by this guy who manipulates her long enough that she will have sex with him so that he can be safe like it's a really terrible idea um it, yeah it's it's pretty great I yeah they movie. even have that uh where they're in the movie theater and he says yes. that uh that one like lady or dude i forget I can't yeah remember, over there and she says i don't see it and then he realizes he re- yeah. yeah it's oh, it's, so good. it's pretty great yeah so so yeah i know i do love that movie cool uh number seven um, my number seven is one of my favorite films in this genre. Uh, I watch it all the time. Scream Factory just put out an amazing Blu-ray on it. And I mean, basically you just have to ask, do you want to party? And that's uh, Return of the Living Dead. In the dark of the night... Something strange is going on. You see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Sure. They ship those bodies. Well, say hello. The dead have risen from the grave. How many did you say? A hundred. And now the question is, how do we get them back into the ground? Bert, Frank, we have a little problem. Boiler, ten right, 
Everything about this movie, I just adore. It's goofy, over the top. Um, directed by Dan O'Bannon, who and written by him, who wrote Alien, and he's a really weird dude in all his interviews. Uh, but for some reason, he struck this right tone of like punk rockers with zombies that want brains. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's they have stupid things like. There's a medical supply place that they work at. It's called Unita, and uh, it's just goofy. Uh, yeah. It, but at the same time, like the the makeup and animatronics of like the whatever that guy is called. What's he called? Tarman. Tarman. Yeah. The makeup and special effects for 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 Tarman are so cool. Um, yeah. Like, I don't actually find him to be that creepy in the movie, um, but like. But he's just—he's just, a really amazing. I'd say sequence. he's one of the most iconic zombies ever, though. Oh yeah, just because of his design. And what's really ironic about that film is they hired somebody else originally to do the makeup effects, mm. and they were so awful hmm. that he got fired pretty well in production. Like he already did some of the zombies. Yeah. And they brought in the guy who did uh, the one zombie lady who's cut in half, laying on the table. It was. Uh, telling them why they eat brains. Oh, okay. Um, was made by some 19 year old kid. Huh. And so he kind of made his name for that by doing that. And so uh, if you get the uh, wonderful documentary called um, uh, More Brains, the story of Return of the Living Dead, they talk about how this guy was all the way and they had to fire him about three or four weeks into production. Wow. And I think that there's only seven weeks of production on the film. Yeah. Um, so. That the movie came out as well as it did is pretty amazing. Yeah. And, again, there's some things that don't make any sense. Like, how are the zombies able to claw out of the ground? How are zombies without any muscle on them talking? I don't know. Um, it's dorky, but it's still a really fun movie. And it's, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorites to watch. Yeah. And, yeah, pick up the Scream Factory Blu-ray because you won't be disappointed. Yeah, it's a really fun film. Oh, don't worry, guys. That's the uh, one dude who walks up and down the street singing rap songs. Oh, Okay. I thought, I thought he was just going, whoa, 
Yeah. Like, I thought he was trying to creep people out. <laughs> so. Is he any good? I can't hear him through no. the headphones. Oh, no, that's dog. a different guy. Oh, what? We have two dudes on our street now. There's this other guy who watches and is like, Motherfucking kid, motherfucking shit, motherfucking shit, motherfucking shit. And you're like, what the hell? I thought he had Tourette's for the longest time, <laughs> but then I found out he was listening to music. He was just a music. big fan of Tupac, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. So yeah, Return of the Living Dead. Cool. I think it's shown up on my top ten list a lot on these film explosions. Uh, yes, it has. Uh, cool. Fred? We're on six? Yes. My number six is Batman Begins, because it has a <laughs> bat, a scarecrow, and Al Ghul. <laughs> Just kidding. It's an anime called Pet Shop of Horrors. Hello, Count. This is Mr. Wong. So what the hell is this? I paid for a tiger. You're not satisfied with the merchandise? I made a complete fool of myself in front of everyone last night. I tell them they're going to see a tiger, and what do they see? A stupid painting. So, you've just confessed you broke the contract we had. Hey, listen, fag. There is no contract because there is no tiger. Huh? <laughs> what the hell? What is this? Some kind of joke? joke? It's not a joke. It's what I promised you. It is the last remaining tiger of its kind. Oh, oh, oh no! 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 As you breach the terms of our contract to not show it to anyone under any circumstances, we cannot assume any responsibility for the consequences, I'm afraid. Wait a minute, Count. You have to help me. Listen to me, please! In the heart of the city, you will find Chinatown, a mysterious place where rare and valuable commodities are in abundance. Welcome to my pet shop. Tonight, you will find something you desire. I've never heard of this. Yeah, what? I don't think what? many people would. Uh, I... I I've never seen it on shelves since like I got it in the '90s, um, and it's it's like an anthology horror thing, where there's this pet shop and customers come in and they get a like a little bit like Gremlins, um, and then the customers take the animals home, but they're like allegories for like the problems in their lives. You said so it's an anime. An anime, yeah. Um, and then the customers take. I, the, I just watched Ryan stop listening. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna turn this way <laughs> for the rest of the discussion. <laughs> It doesn't start in Ninja and end in Scroll. I've never seen it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and, so, and then the, like, the animals eventually like transform and either like, kill them or like get the customers involved in something that does kill them. Um, sure. So it's, it's like teaching all these like lessons. And I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't remember what specific things did happen. But I just remember it's, it's got a really creepy vibe. Cool. Uh, I think there's like three stories in it or maybe two. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's a definitely a good Halloween vibe for me. So that's number six for... But if you want right. to see it, you have to go over to Brad's house because apparently it doesn't exist. Yeah, uh, maybe eBay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you want to get the disc. Uh, do, do you own like ten copies? You're going to go sell them each for two hundred bucks a piece. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. It might be on a streaming 
it, it was really special. I bet it's on like a crunchy roll. What? Crunch crunch wow, you all looked at me like I was crazy. Crunchy roll is a streaming service specific for her anime. I think you're talking about an actual they sushi are, dish. They are not a they are not a sponsor of this show, but can be if they just call us. It's yeah. like when Pizza uh, Hut gave out DVDs. <laughs> it was released by Urban Vision. They did a lot of like those occult anime titles. Oh, okay. So I don't know what they transformed into now because like I know a lot of those titles got consolidated, like sure. manga and what was the other one? Never mind. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Pet Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number six. Number yes. Six? yes. Is Little Shop of Horrors. Um, who will survive the night and what will be left of them? My number six is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What happened was true. The most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America. is real. Just as close. Just as terrifying as being there. Even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. 3D, right? No. Texas Chainsaw 3D? <laughs> Fuck you. I see that one. That was pretty good. Is that really the tagline on the poster? Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh. Who will survive the night and what will be left of them? I, see, I think one of the greatest introductions to a villain ever. Yep. When he just... Um, when he clubs the dude with a sledgehammer. <laughs> and then... I mean, he shuts that... I think it's shuts the shutting the of the door. door. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, if anybody out there has been living under a rock for the past, what, 40 to 45 years? I think 40 years now. Yeah. Um, it's the story of these uh, kids who go into, uh, who are on their way to a, they're not on their way to a concert in this one. I think they are. I think they, yeah. Well, they pick up a hitchhiker. The hitchhiker is crazy. They kick the hitchhiker out of the car, and they wind up in this house that seems abandoned, but it's actually inhabited by cannibals. <laughs> Um, including one named Leatherface, who wears human skin masks. Um, it's still unrelent. It's unrelenting, mm -hmm. raw footage that just feels like it's a documentary. What I think is really interesting about it too is there's actually not that much blood in it. Oh no, it's there's one of those barely films anything in there. When you watch it, you think you've seen more than you've actually seen. Especially when the uh, kid in the wheelchair gets it. Oh yeah, yeah. Like when for the longest time, I thought that was the bloodiest scene, and then I realized it might be when the girl gets the meat hook. 
Yeah, and but at the same time, your mind is playing tricks on you, and that's a tribute to the film and how well it's made. Is you're pretty sure you saw something, and then you watch it again, you're like, wait a minute, wasn't there like blood and guts happening here? And but you don't really see them. I mean, you just the idea of being hung on a meat hook while you're alive. Yeah, and the way they shoot it, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh wow, like that. It's cringeworthy. Um, and then the, di- the dinner scene, I always thought the dinner scene was the scariest part of the film. Uh, when uh, they're trying to get Grandpa to hold the hammer, it's so... Yeah. It's kind of funny at the same time, because the Grandfather is just like a living skeleton, can barely hold a hammer in his head. Yeah, and it's one of those things... He just keeps is, dropping it. <laughs> the way they play it is, is he dead and everyone's helping him, or is he like barely alive? And... He's barely alive. Yeah, theory. yeah, me too, and... It's just weird. Yeah. Well, at first I thought he was dead. But then I was just like, no, I saw stuff move. Mm-hmm. So he's barely alive. But, um, so yeah. Uh, and it's Toby Hooper's first film. He went on to do some great stuff in the horror genre, like Poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and uh, Life Force and <laughs> Invaders from Mars, which you could argue is bad, but I actually enjoyed that film. It was fun. Um. So yeah, that was my number six, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Kerr. Cool. Uh, my number six is uh, it's a it's a zombie movie. Nice. My number six is Twenty Eight Days Later. Fuck you, Ryan. Wake up today in hospital. Wake up and I'm, I'm hallucinating. I've got some bad news. They're infected. Infected. What? Infected with blood. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. The blood. There's something in the blood. Someone. You never go anywhere alone unless you've got no choice. Hello. Two. Only travel during daylight. Unless you've got no choice. See, this is a really shit idea. You know why? This is obviously a shit idea. We have to leave now. More will be coming. They always do. Dead. And you're gonna be next. <laughs> <laughs> and by zombie movie means a plague movie. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit back and eat chocolate while you two battle it out. <laughs> Can I join you, Brad? I'm really in the mood for chocolate. Yes, yes, excellent. I'll take yeah. the Kit Kat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a Starburst. Uh, I remember, like. I remember the first time I see that I saw this movie and like being concerned that it was going to be more of a horror movie than it is, um, and but th- thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, I think it's a a really great movie. Subscribes to the old you know the the old zombie movie trope of the you know the most dangerous thing actually being the people. Um, but I think they do a, a really great job of it. Um, so yeah, I I, I I don't know what else to say about twenty eight. Okay, Days um, hasn't been just for past, our listeners but, out there. A zombie is a fictional undead being created through the reanimation of a human corpse. 
which uh, doesn't happen in 28 Days Later. Sure, sure. Still a great movie, though. Hello! Hello! Yeah. The, you do, you, you hate that last sequence, don't you? Because there's like a dream sequence in there that, that you don't like. Um, I, the part I don't like is when they're camping out and he's, uh, they, they all fall asleep next to the campfire. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah. the scene I don't like. I think the ending's actually pretty great. Yeah. Where they're inside the mansion and stuff. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because I, I do think Danny Boyle's a really great filmmaker. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's such a cool sequence where he starts using the zombies against them and, you know, oh, yeah. releasing it on them. And, like, yeah, it's just... And people forget, it It came at a time when the zombie movie genre was like, meh, when's right, the last yeah, zombie no, movie? No one gave a shit. And so even though it's not a zombie film, it did push the genre back into the limelight and now it's yeah you know everywhere right yeah and i I will also say that i thoroughly enjoy um uh the the sequel as well i think 28 weeks i think 28 weeks later is better yeah um i don't know that i would say it's better but it is a it's a more thrilling like like horror film you know Mm -hmm. um whereas i i I think i just like the the character bits in 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 days more uh because the creepiness of the creepiness of seeing uh, Killian Murphy like alone on the empty streets of London mm-hmm. is is a lightning in a bottle thing you can't do a second time. Yeah, I mean, and it, I mean, it's that is so iconic that The Walking Dead stole it. Right. Oh yeah. You know, it's um, the same thing as you go in a coma, you wake up, and yeah. you don't know how long you've been out. You don't know how long the zombie apocalypse has been going on. Right. Or in this case, a plague has, you know, decimated London. Yeah. And I think it's a great reveal too that when he's running and he's laying down and he looks up and he sees a plane fly over yes like, oh. oh yeah they're totally quarantined right like the fact that it's just england is is a a brilliant reveal in that movie um yeah absolutely adore it really great yeah, it's a it's so, a good one yeah. i haven't seen it in a while i should watch it again yeah me too yeah so cool ryan your number six uh my number six actually i think has another one of the greatest openings to horror films ever uh it's directed by a horror icon and originally it was titled scary movie and when Wes Craven got it he said I like the name scream more and so my number six is scream hello hello who is this tell me your name I'll tell you mine (laughs) I don't think so what's that noise popcorn you making popcorn well I'm getting ready to watch a video really what Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now, he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Hey, what's wrong with this man? Never, ever. Ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back! Who did he make the rules? 
I think the opening to Scream is one of the best openings ever, on period on film. Because you don't like Drew Barrymore? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so when I could see her hung from a tree and eviscerated, that that's the winning combination. No, I think because when you think about it, it's now that it's so iconic that there's parodies based on the opening scene of that film. Oh yeah. And when you watch it again, you realize that you had Kevin Williamson who at the time was he'd never written a movie before and he had such an idea of taking the tropes and everything we know about horror films yeah and using it to the viewer's advantage and the teenagers who thought they were too smart for it right and i think and, and you know being a huge horror fan when you know he says who's the villain in friday the 13th and he she says jason and he says wrong you know jason's mom pamela was a villain in Friday the 13th. I, that's an argument horror movie nerds like me are like, he's right! He's right! And it, Is so, that how they all sound? Yeah. <laughs> they, they actually sound like this. <laughs> um, but it, it, once you get past that scene too, you know, the whole film then it still has to carry that momentum. And it does. And it's it came at a time when, you know, winking at the audience wasn't, you know, known in horror films. Right. And you needed someone, I think, with the credibility of Wes Craven to pull it off. And so it's a slasher film where it's smarter than your most traditional slasher films. Yeah. And I think it's it's fun. And, I mean, uh, I, I can count how many times I've always said, Wait! There's more! And uh, where Matthew Lillard is way over the top and he's, like, spitting everywhere. Um, it's fun. And then I, I still think, too, the, the reveal of spoilers for a movie that's 22 years old. Uh, where there's two killers, I mean, that's pretty inventive at the time, where, you know, that's how they're always everywhere, and, you know, there's one guy here, and there's another one there. Um, yeah, it's it's a fun movie. Cool. Cool, cool. Brad? Are we on five? Yeah. Here, here's five. My number five is Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> Curse of the Black Pearl, because it has... Undead Pirates! Undead Pirates! Yeah! Yeah. Uh, no, actually, it's a... Um, a foreign horror anthology animation thing called uh, Fears of the Dark. When you are afraid, it is difficult to breathe. It is difficult to move. It is difficult to speak. But it is easy. Panic. From six of the leading graphic artists of our time comes a film that reinvents the meaning of terror.
you talking about this, but I don't remember a fucking thing about it. Yeah, I don't remember he doesn't listen individual he bits, but uh, I remember like they were all really creepy, and they all have different animation styles uh, throughout. And uh, is, it like a, it's a, is it a bunch of different? Is it like an ABCs of death, or is it like a wreck? It's not 26 or, stories, or but VHS it's, it's uh, I think it's like six or something. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, they're all all the stories are just bizarre and eerie and per- per- perverse and they each have their own animation style which is good so cool uh it came out like i think 2008 or 2009 um so if you can find it check it out um i recommend it cool for i am brad and i recommend <laughs> things yes my opinion holds sway <laughs> uh my number five was scream nice um so too funny first repeat um it's I, I don't think it's my favorite Wes Craven movie, but it's um, one of the best ones he's ever made. He ever made. Um, I love Matthew Lillard in that film. Can't get enough of his performance. Um, I can even tolerate Skeet Ulrich. Um, Whatever happened to him? Is he dead? <laughs> I think he's just in the background of things. <laughs> don't ever, he, <laughs> Ryan, he's right behind you! <laughs> don't ever say you'll be right back, because you won't be right back. Hey, I'm uh, going to get another beer. Do you want one? Yeah, I'll take one. I'll be right back. Oh! <laughs> I think that's even in the trailer. <laughs> I, lo- I love the idea that he's like just in movies and he's standing in the background like waving like, hi like, guys. He's like, where's Waldo of movies? Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah. I-, I love in Scream 2 where Luke Wilson plays Ski Ulrich. Uh, or is it oh, yeah. Scream 3? I think it's Scream 2. And he plays him like Skeet Ulrich like a doofus but in that Luke Wilson kind of way like he's in a Wes Anderson movie but he's in Scream I love it that's cool so yeah that was my number five Scream awesome Uh, yeah so moving right along Um, my number five is a film from 2001 that I I was really excited to put on this list because I really like this movie and then on the way here when I was talking to to Zach I realized how much shit I'm going to catch for this one uh, my number five is frailty. You the agent in charge of the case? That's right. What can I do for you? I'm here because I can't live with what I know anymore. And listen, this may sound a little bit crazy, but I know who the God's hand killer is. What makes you think that? He hadn't even heard me out yet, and already you doubt me. They were raised to obey their father. Go to see Homer. To love him. To trust him. Night, boys. Sleep tight. Don't let those bed bugs bite. Until. Wake up. I've got something to tell you. What's wrong? There are demons among us. I can see the demons while other people can. I'm scared, Dad. Nothing that crazy could be real. The angel told me that God would be sending weapons. Maybe you just dreamed it. Maybe you're not right in the head. God will be sending a list of the first seven demons. These are people's names. And they'll look like people. They're not. Dad made up this whole thing. Do you understand? Well, if it has to be done, it has to be done. Is that true? Why would I make it up? It's all a big lie. I don't want to run away. You are hiding something from me. What is it you think I'm hiding? When I lay my hands on them, I'll reveal them for what they truly are. I got a pretty good idea that embodies are. I'll tell. Craziest thing ever in a long time. Ah! Check the Rose Garden. I don't believe a word of it. But it's true. Bill Paxton. Those were demons. Why can't you see that? Matthew McConaughey. Tell me the truth. Sometimes truth defies reason. 
You're crazy! Only demons should fear me. You're not a demon, are you? seen it so uh, like. Fra- frailty stars matthew mcconaughey awesome uh all oh, <laughs> right all right all right he's really good at it he's, he's really really good, good he's it. really good lawyered <laughs> <laughs> uh, um so uh it, it's actually it's actually really like matthew mcconaughey is only in sort of the bookends of it um because it's really a story about uh bill paxton who plays this um father who is going insane and believes that he can see the demons in people, and so he's teaching his sons to basically, you know, t- see the demons in people and murder them to, you know, kill the demon that's in them. Um, and it is this really uncomfortable and um, like paranoid sort of thriller um, where you're, you're, you know, you, you have this main character who thinks that they're they're doing something good, right? Like it's not like a traditional like serial killer slasher movie where they're just crazy and they kill people like I mean yes they are uh, but here's this person who thinks they're doing the right thing he's actually really conflicted with it like Bill Paxton had, he, I think it was the first movie that Bill Paxton directed um, he has these amazing scenes where he you can tell that he really doesn't like having to do it like there are these scenes where he's like praying and wishing that God would take his special sight away from him because he doesn't like having this responsibility of killing these demons um but he also then like feels ashamed because he's like well no like i was given this gift for a reason like it's a really twisted movie um but i think it's it's pretty fascinating and and definitely very uncomfortable um and matthew mcconaughey is great he's so good uh but yeah wasn't even thinking about it when i put it on the list and then on the drive-in i was like oh shit I put a McConaughey movie on this list. Uh, so. Of course you did. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a James list without it? <laughs> McConaughey is so in James's brain that he doesn't even realize that he's picking the... He's just driving a Lincoln car around a little nurse. Yeah, right. brain. I, mean, I mean, I can't talk because my number five film is Gothica. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but I'm no, really, it's shortcuts. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what is your number five? Uh, my number five, this is, I know I'm starting to get into the classics. I mean, there's some movies that I hate watch every year because I have to and that I love them. And uh, my number five is Wes Craven again. It's A Nightmare on Elm Street. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? <laughs> You just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. Is the coroner got to say? He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! Ah! 
she's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. <laughs> no one will survive. <laughs> Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left. A new masterpiece in fantasy terror. Nightmare on Elm Street. The world that introduced, the movie that introduced the world to Freddy Krueger. And in that movie, he's called Fred Krueger. I don't think he's ever called Freddy in it. Oh. Um, Zach, can you refresh my memory? I don't think he's called yep, Freddy in it. that's correct. Uh, yeah. I think he's only called Fred in it. Yeah, they didn't call him Freddy until Freddy's Revenge. Yep. yep. So it's, he... Maybe the kids called him Freddy, but I'm pretty sure for oh, the oh no in the in the lullaby or the um the jump rope. Uh, yeah, one, Freddy's, two, coming, Freddy's for coming, coming for you. But yeah, everywhere, everywhere else he's referred to as Fred, Fred Krueger. Yeah, um, you know it, it's just it's such an iconic movie and it works on so many levels because you know being tormented in your sleep and not being able to do anything about it, I think is a fear that everybody has. You know, not being able to wake up. What if I die before I wake up? And what if there's an ET at the end of my bed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what if and giving personifying that thing that's not going to let you live through your dreams, I think it's a great idea. And I think the character design is awesome. Uh, you know, it, 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 at the time you don't realize how iconic he is because I mean, obviously, I didn't see the movie until after. It's I don't know the fourth or fifth Freddy came out yeah. because was the was 84 so I was three so yeah so maybe the fifth one is the first one I saw just straight but yeah. at well, the you, time it was, it was already part of the pop yeah, culture but, yeah but you already know who Freddy is you already knows what he looks like so but, much so that they made a doll a Freddy doll exactly it's kind of weird don't you think well yeah no I and that that's where I think the Nightmare on Elm Street series where it did go wrong, where something like Friday the 13th never really betrayed who the character of Jason was, I think the later Elm Streets betrayed who Freddy was. Until you got to number seven, but the first uh, three of them, three movies I thought were pretty solid. Um, and I think the first one still is a, is a great horror film. And My favorite part of that film is like it's a th- another throwaway thing. When he goes, hey Tina, watch this, and he just slices off his fingers. And it's mm-hmm. gushing out with green goo. It's so stupid. Like it's, I love his sense of Craven's sense of humor is funny yeah. to me. You know, to me, the, I think the the most iconic moment in that is there's he has this part where it's just Robert England being Freddy, and he just puts his like glove up to his head, hand, face, and he kind of turns his head a certain way, and I think that just symbolizes who Freddy is. I I'd have to watch it again, but there's a couple moments in it where. It definitely sells. And, I mean, it's creative to have... I mean, uh, maybe the most iconic shot that everyone knows is his glove coming in between her legs when she's taking a bath. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think the movie's great. It's this weird... Because uh, you're talking about the, the later ones and how they got more, like, comedic, <laughs> uh, more of a sense of humor, and, like, people forget that this is a... Child killer. Yeah, it's a child molester and child killer. Mm-hmm. Um that's like his origin is based on and then it's it's weird that by like yeah six yeah. or seven you know he's like this pop culture icon like yeah it yeah. lends credence to that new nightmare shot that you were talking oh yeah about it's last my favorite week, shot in the whole series where he's like you're all my children now yeah I, I, it's my favorite shot in the whole series but 
Yeah, and I think even in that documentary, Robert England talks about how he would shoot one version of Freddy being evil and, you know, not being funny. And then they'd shoot one version of him being funny, and the studio says, oh, we like him more when he's funny. You know, playing yeah. with a Nintendo Power Glove or something like that. Oh, I'm playing with power. <laughs> Great graphics. <laughs> <laughs> so even when they got bad, though, I think Nightmare on Elm Street still had some pretty interesting kills. But I, I think the first one is a classic, and uh, I still think it's pretty scary. So, Cool. Yeah. Brad, you're number four. My number four is E.T., the extraterrestrial, because it takes place on Halloween. Just kidding, it's Shaun of the Dead, and we already talked about it. <laughs> I, I thought for sure you were going to say, because it scares the shit out of James. I thought you were going to say that, like, interrupt me. <laughs> so I was trying to you leave know, an opening. I really don't have it in me to shoot my mom and my girlfriend today. <laughs> uh, Wait a minute, who says I'm taking you back? You don't want to go through the zombie apocalypse single, do you? <laughs> yeah. I got these flowers great. for your mom, aren't they? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, like you said before, really fun movie. Also, is like a good entry into the genre itself. Um, great zombie effects, really clever. So, yeah, Shaun of the Dead, my number four. Cool. All Zach, right. warning: the monster demands a mate. <laughs> my number, my number four is uh, the Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> snobs will consider to be one of the greatest horror films of all time but I don't think they consider it because of its horrificness I think they are charmed by its cleverness yeah which I, I definitely am it, it's an amazing film it's an amazing film and it's and if, again if you've been living in a rock for under a rock for 70 years uh, it's about uh, I think it's 80 years now 80 years yes oh gosh yeah because 75th anniversary was that nice um, leather book edition mm-hmm. that came out. Um, Frank, Bride of Frankenstein takes place exactly where Frankenstein with Boris Karloff from 1931 left off um, where um, he essentially falls back into the hands of his creator and Dr. Pretorius who seek out to create uh, to, to repeat the experiment and uh, along the way you know there's 
interesting connotations of like flights of fancy. Like there's just there's a lot of like dark humor and like mm. twisted sense of humor kind of like jammed into the movie that really really works. Mm. It's the same sense of humor that is in the Invisible Man because they're both directed by the same man, James Whale, mm. who um, was you know if you want a history lesson on James Whale, just go watch Gods and Monsters and you'll get an idea of the guy, mm. um, not the full picture, but an idea of the guy. Um, but uh, Bride of Frankenstein it has my favorite. Uh, line in a monster movie which is uh go you go you stay we belong dead and then he's crying and throws the switch and kills dr pretorius and the uh uh the creature's mate it's what uh, i think why those films work so well even frankenstein um is because he's the monster in it is not really a it's not his fault yeah, and, and he didn't ask to be made. Yeah, and because even in it, he, you know, the little girl that he kills in the first one, he's just playing with her. It's just a misunderstanding. He doesn't understand who he is. And I, my favorite line, actually, in Bride of Frankenstein is, uh, I can't remember exactly, but he says, uh, I'm dead, or some, I'm dead, only good dead. He's basically talking about his, his, immor- his own mortality. Where he's trying to explain it to the dude who takes him in in the house. Oh, the uh, the hermit. Yeah, I forget the line, but it, it's one of my favorite lines. And oh, is it, it is it a uh, it, it is alone to, or is bad to be alone? Alone, bad. Yeah, something like that. Then he talks about how he's dead. It, it, to and to it's heartbreaking because you know the 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 bride of Frankenstein. The bride actually only shows up the last five minutes of the film. Played by the same person who plays Mary Shelley at the beginning of the movie. Yep, and when she rejects him, it's heartbreaking because oh, yeah. he has no place. This woman that's made out of the same thing he's made out of still sees him as a monster, mm-hmm. and that's why he kills everybody. And it's 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 sad, and um, and I think that's why that movie transcends time, and why it's considered one of the greatest horror films of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's what you can't get in movies like The Shining. Right. Yeah. Um, and Karloff. Oh, yeah. What, what, what can you What can you not... What can you say that hasn't already been said about Karloff? You know? Which I love that they just credited him as Karloff. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, there was never Boris Karloff. It was just Karloff. Prince. Let me... Yes. <laughs> let, me, let me hear you say... The artist formerly known as Karloff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me hear you call Boris Karloff a cocksucker. Karloff, sidekick, fuck you! <laughs> Karloff does not deserve to spend my shit. <laughs> yep. How dare that asshole bring up Karloff? <laughs> oh man, I love that cool. movie. I'm gonna yeah, watch uh, Wood again. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I was doing my favorite horror films of all time, Bride of Frankenstein'd be right up there. Yeah, cool. And Frankenstein. Yeah, awesome. Uh, my number four? Cool. My number four... Uh, oh, right, yeah. Okay. Uh, my number four is a movie we reviewed here on the show that I think Ryan was probably pretty shocked that I loved as much as I did. Um, and it's honestly the most horrific thing on my list. Uh, my number four is Evil Dead. Please, please, you have to go. 
from that book. Something evil. This thing is attached to Mia's soul. <laughs> We're gonna have to kill her. You are all going to die tonight. That's the remake of Evil Dead, not the Evil Dead. Um, yeah, so remember, Sam Raimi is the Evil Dead. Right. I was I was very careful <laughs> yeah, how I said Evil it. Dead is. Um, yeah, I uh, I was actually watching this movie again today, and I probably haven't seen it in a year and a half or so. Uh, and it works so well still. Like the things that I find so gruesome are like really put me on edge. Um, it is a like horrible movie to look at, uh, but at the same time. The reasons why I love it so much are still so present. Like I think that, you know, it, it takes this classic trope of like kids going to the woods and then an evil thing. Like ah, uh oh. Um, but in this case, in in wrapping it in the the paranoia that surrounds um, her trying to 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 get sober uh, or you know or kick kick heroin, um, I think that adds a level of believability to the film that a lot of times you don't get, right? So when, when she says crazy things and people don't believe her, you understand why. Um, I also, I mean, watching it this time, I realized like, how quickly everything goes downhill in that movie. Um, I mean, once, once she comes out with the shotgun uh, into, the, into the, like, the, the main you know, living room of the, of the cabin, it's like 15 or 20 minutes of just people like getting turned and dying um and it's pretty terrible and the tension during that whole section is really really great um also had forgotten about how amazing the opening sequence is where you you have this young woman who gets like attacked in the woods by some like hillbilly ass hillbillies and you think you're seeing something terrible happening and i mean you are but like oh and then she and she wakes up tied to a post in a basement and there's this crazy witch lady there and then like her super suburban dad comes out and lights her on fire and it's it's this very um in the context of the film that they made it's this very like uh um intervention kind of of scene really uh and and you realize that here's this character who doesn't realize what is so wrong with him and i remember in the theater that first time when you know like you're really watching something and this is terrible and she's pleading for her life and then she looks at her dad and, and finally says whatever it is that she says she calls him a cocksucker oh no oh she says I'm gonna eat your soul uh, and all of a sudden you realize like oh yeah no she's terrible she, she light her on fire holy crap um, like it's really great I mean it is a fantastic fun movie uh, fun in quotes um, that I I can't believe how much I enjoyed. I mean, that year was higher on my top ten list that year than it was on yours, yep. which was shocking to me. Um, yeah, everything about that movie doesn't scream you at all. No. Um, <laughs> but what does is the characters, and yes. I, I think, you know, 
what works for me in the film is you do get the characters and it allows the characters to breathe and get built up. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I actually thought, because movies don't really scare me, mm-hmm. but the part in the film that did make me feel uneasy and I did like, you know, like, oh, this is, you know, kind of scary is when she's, after she's attacked in the woods, and I know I've oh. mentioned this many times, but she's yeah. sitting under on the bottom of this bunk bed yeah. and she's just curled up like a little ball. And Jane Levy, by the way, is amazing in this film. Yes. And she goes, um, her brother comes in and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, you don't understand. There's something out there. We have got to get out. And the way she think, delivers the line. it's in here with us now. Yeah, it's it, it, oh. it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and it, 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 it is a complete tonal shift for the movie. Even though you've just watched her get raped by a tree. Yeah. Like, the tonal shift is actually there. Yeah, because. Like, it, that's where it becomes terrifying. Even when she's <laughs> sexually assaulted by plants, it's still, <laughs> it's still in the, uh the realm of like oh this is still like the sam raimi kind of yes it's 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 still kind of playful yeah even though this is not sam raimi's evil no and it's a movie that it literally rains blood yes and i think that part at the end with uh her evil doppelganger is scary yeah you know chasing her through the rain of blood (sighs) everything about that film is if you're gonna remake it you you can't do you can't outdo sam raimi right so i think they uh that Fidi Alvarez did the right thing is you have to make a film that is yours that plays to the Sam Raimi sensibilities yeah so what they did instead of making it funny and oh look at you know look at Ash fight his hand no I'm gonna make it terrifying right what happens if these people are you know really being possessed by demons I mean you have people sawing her face off and (sighs) it's that sequence is actually one of the, or at least the sequence right right after it is one of my least favorite. Not because it's bad, because it's terrifying. Is when the the girl who is sawing her face off attacks the guy with the with the um, the, the sedative, like mm-hmm. the needle of sedative. Because the way that's shot, and she just keeps like stabbing and stabbing, like because oh, she's yeah. not. It's almost like she's not in control. It's like a it's like a fucking like wind up doll, you know, where it does like karate chops. Like there's something so unnatural about the way she's moving, and it's it's. Um, uh, like unstoppable. You know? Yeah, and that's why I think that movie is successful too is because you get, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of character development Yeah, and then you better fucking strap in because the movie never stops. Right. It's that scene. It's her sawing her face off. It's a, her chopping, sawing her arm off with, you know, a turkey carver. Oh, man. Slicing her throat, I mean, her tongue with a razor blade. I mean, it's, yes. you don't get a break in this film at all. I, I think the reason though that it ends up appealing to me is that surprisingly, you get that that turn where Mia sort of is let free, is set free again, and you you end up so rooting for her to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. Like she becomes such a powerful character, and she's gone through so much in this movie. Even though for most of like for the middle section of the movie, for the, the second act of the movie, she is the villain. Um, when when she comes back, you're so rooting for her to to succeed and to to beat this thing. Like it's it's such an amazing release, um, and that only works because they built really great characters that you you care for. Um, like you you don't want bad things to happen to these people. Um, you don't care as much about like the long haired guy who reads the book and causes all the problems. You don't care as much about like the girlfriend who doesn't you know. But as far as Mia, her brother. Um, and I think her name is Olivia, uh, the, the, the no-face girl. Um, <laughs> like, those three characters are set up really well, and you understand the dynamics between them really well. 
so that you don't want bad things to happen. And then everybody dies uh, until, you know, Mia has to has to be tough and, and, and beat the crazy devil thingy that crawls out of the sand. Ah! Yeah, that movie is great. Um, it's really great. So, yeah, that's my number four. Uh, my number four is, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm sorry because I know it's going to be way higher on someone else's list. Sure. Um, but I think it has, again, you know, I think with horror films, a lot of times I think the opening moments of the film will tell a lot about what you're in store for. No! Uh, and uh, this film has probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, steady cam shots of all time no! at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> Even I got this one. Uh, my my number four film is Halloween. Ah! <laughs> Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just talk. Sure, sure. The only reason she babies it is to have Halloween. <laughs> okay, Come on out. It's, uh, I mean, if you're doing a Halloween movie list and you're a horror movie fan, I don't know how you don't watch this every year. Uh, I don't know how you don't watch this every day. Yeah, it's, uh, obviously it birthed the slasher craze. I mean, there's slashers before, whether it's Psycho or uh, sure. another, I can't even think of another one right now off the top of my head, but. Black Christmas. Black Christmas. Uh, almost everything else that's been on your list. Yeah. <laughs> but this came out in 79, shot for $150,000. Wow. Um. But it, by John Carpenter, and you know that opening shot. I, like I said, it, it, it 
it's a steady cam shot that just you follow through the eyes of the killer and the, to reveal that the killer is a six-year-old boy is He's like the biggest what the fuck man yeah because you've had i mean whether it's norman bates through point of view shots or whatever it is you it's the last thing you'd expect and i yeah. think that's why the movie works so well and, and you then you get uh you know, Dr. Loomis and um, Donald Pleasant's character, where he's basically saying that this kid is nothing but a f- evil. There's nothing about him that's good. There's nothing about this kid that's good. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a it's a great movie, and it, again, it's not super gory. Uh, the, the The film is maybe built. Like the bloodiest might be the opening shot. Oh, yeah. It, the film is built on the suspense of what's happening. You know, there's one of the coolest shots in the in the movie is Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, Laurie's going up the stairs. And in this dark, dark corner, you just see the outline of the Michael Myers mask go in and then kind of fade back out. So, you know, he's there. And, you know, just little things like that elevate a typical slasher film to something that what that film is and I'll go on record saying it's one of the best American films ever because it's to what it meant and what it is is because it's not just you know I'm going to hack and slash people it's it's the ambiance it's the feel of the movie it's the thought that evil evil can manifest itself into the world exactly and, and be a force of nature it's it's when he gosh I mean I'll talk way more about it when we get to it on my list but when he it disappears at the end and all you hear is the breathing for me that symbolizes why I love Michael Myers above all other slasher killers because it's it's just pure evil it's just yeah. it's just it's just a it's just a force that's filled with all the things that are negative that just has decided upon this town because you have to discount all the stuff that happens after the first movie in order for this movie to feel as effective as it can feel. Well, I, I think that with that film, it's it's so well made, so well crafted as a horror film that I, I can, I still think it stands so far above all the other ones that I don't even care about the other ones. I mean, not that I, I mean, I think two is pretty good. I think four is a great movie, but... Uh, but one is it, it is a classic. Is a classic, and it's but from the score, uh, from the opening title credits, where it's just a jack o' lantern with you know sitting there with a candle in it, with the great uh, piano work by John Carpenter. I think that five four beat man is yeah. creepy as hell. hell. And also the greatest gave us the great hero, Doctor Sam Loomis, mm-hmm. or hero quote unquote. <laughs> he's kind of insane <laughs> yeah i think what uh what impressed me about it when i saw it and you know <clears throat> is that the the way he uses those steady cam shots not in the beginning but but later on in the film to make this the street itself seem so small and normal right like it's the shots where he kills somebody in one house and then the camera goes from your from the front porch of one house across the street into jamie Lee curtis's house and so you just feel like it's it is a real street that feels like your street that is this small town America, 
Um, like that, that's the thing about that movie that I thought like, oh, this is really brilliant. Like this is a place where this little piece of technology really allowed you to do something you couldn't do before. And too, because it, 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 it's a symbolism for you don't know what's going on across the street. Right. Exactly. For you don't, even though you might feel like you're safe living here in Colorado, who knows, you know, what's next door. And I think that's adds to the mystique of who Michael Myers is. Yeah. Yeah. There's... There's a consistency throughout John Carpenter's filmography, and it stems from Rio Bravo, as far back as Rio Bravo. The idea of like a siege uh, or a, uh, a a community under siege. In this case, it's under siege by a force of nature. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my uh, Ryu leg sweep. <laughs> uh, cool. Cool, cool. What was this? If you see me in a Michael Myers mask, don't think it's just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> what are we on? Three? Yep. My cool. number three is Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet because <laughs> Hamlet's dead dad talks to him. Just kidding. It's uh, You're really stretching. <laughs> I, I thought it was no, for the, 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 the run length of Hamlet. Oh, <laughs> it'll kill you. Uh, no, I got two more. Don't worry. <laughs> it isn't over. Oh, that's great. Uh, no, my real number three is another anime. It's Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. Say your prayers and hope for pleasant dreams. When darkness falls and all is quiet and peaceful and you are most asleep. The undead awake. Late at night, the undead prowl and search for blood. No one is safe. There is no way out. There is only one hope. One man who rides alone. He is both good and evil, darkness and light. He is the Vampire Hunter. In a world of hidden dangers, Time of great unrest. One imperfect man battles the darkness alone. A place of beauty. A time of evil. A lonely girl. A sweet seduction. Outside, outcast, he is her only hope. He has their power. He knows their secret. He seeks an answer. He must keep moving. He is the only hope for survival.
is the weirdest list. I thought my list was going to be weird. Um, yeah, so it, uh, it's the sequel uh, that came out like 2001. Uh, the animation, I think it was Madhouse, really good. Um, I think the character design is cool. Character design is cool. Um, it's got like that robotic horse and uh, vampire. He's like part vampire, um, part human, and he's just out there All to kill. All badass. All badass. Out to kill all the vampires he can get his hands on. Um, this one, he, uh, some small town has been uh, plagued by uh, vampires. Uh, the vampire king, I think, has stolen the mayor's daughter or whatever, and so he enlists. Yeah, so he enlists um, uh, vampire D to you know, pays him some money to go bring her back, and then eventually find out that she left on purpose because she wants to be with the vampire king. Um, romantically, and then it turns out like all that was a play by the head vampire Carmilla, and uh, it's uh, it's a little like Fury Road, where they have to D has to team up with uh, like another team of vampire hunters who have like a war rig, and uh, you know as they go along, they all get picked off one by one. And uh, I'm in, I'm in. Yeah, it, it's it's awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's it got a really creepy vibe and. Um, it's it's a little bit like the original, but uh, you know vastly improved by better animation and uh, more complex storyline. So cool. Yep, that's my number three. Zach, my gosh, Bella, how do you do that? You must be double jointed, and you must be Hungarian. <laughs> my number three is Dracula. <laughs> I am Dracula. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. Something so incredible, I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. Rats. 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 Thousands. Millions of them. But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula, the original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat, and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? Oh, what, what's he done to you, dearie? Tell he, me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms, and he made me drink. <laughs> Really hoping your number three was Ed Wood. Which one? Oh. <laughs> uh, 1931's Dracula. Okay. Not, not Bram Stoker's Dracula. Creature not... of the Night. Whoa. What music they make. <laughs> I bid you welcome. Let's just spend the rest of the time quoting Bella Lugosi. Uh, no. <laughs> no. 
Uh-huh. Movie trivia, quote off. They never no. show, they never show him come out of the coffin because that was against standards and practices back yep. in the thirties. That was against the code. I can't believe I made that a song. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Apology not accepted. Point Ryan. So, <laughs> so tell me about Keanu Reeves Dracula. Fuck <laughs> you. I I don't understand. Look what? at all these pretty women. Why? Why am I being seduced? Seduced. Hath not a dude, Count Dracula? <laughs> oh wait, oh. I'm supposed to have an English accent, mate. Oh, gosh, I hate that movie. Anyway, I think yeah. I think that movie's pretty stylistic and fun. Uh, sure. it, Gary Oldman is good. Uh, He's great. The rest but, is um, not. The uh, original Dracula, however, is very much a stage play. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, oh yeah. Beautifully shot, though. You know, surprisingly well shot. I, you know, when I watched it recently, I'm like, holy shit, there's a crane shot of a and tracking of a carriage in this. Yeah. It's like, all right. That and the the, the swoop in, the crane swoop in on Dracula's entrance. Yeah. Um, but then once you get past those elements, uh, it does become more of a stage play. Than it does, else. but it, it's still. I one... love how they're eating right as I'm just, yeah. just getting into my spiel. <laughs> this candy is delicious. <laughs> So I don't have stuff in my mouth by the time it gets around to me. This is like you the best time to do it. You always have stuff in your mouth. <laughs> Shut up, freak. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, 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 I love Bella's performance, obviously. Um, I also love... Um, I cannot remember his name, <coughs> but um, he plays... Um, um, Van, uh, Helsing? Van Helsing? Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Dude, that was that's quick. My, that's my number three. That was three. so good. Um... And um, I also like um, Dwight Fry, who plays um, Renfield. Yeah. He does a really good Renfield. Yeah, yeah, one of the most important films of all time. Because it not even created horror. horror. Well, it didn't create the horror genre, but it popularized it. Yeah, I mean, first movie was sound, so. It's... <laughs> so it, it's yeah. I mean, like I, that movie speaks for itself on so many levels, but also I really dig Tom, Todd Browning's staging of shots. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I think he's really good at what I call the four shot, where you have like four people in the same shot and they're carrying on a conversation, and it's just on that one angle. Yeah. Um, it's 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 an art form that's now lost because we don't really have the patience for it anymore. And one of the things too you have to get used to is you know, back then Dracula wasn't this like hideous monster. He was kind of this. Suave count, sexy dude, man. Yeah, it was the uh, coming to take all your white ladies. So yeah, yeah. So you have to be because it's a because Dracula is about xenophobia and the fact that people from Eastern Europe are going to come and steal. Okay, thank you. I have to explain that. (laughs) Yeah, because I thought you were just being racist. Nope, nope. The book is. (laughs) I'm like, no, that's Blackula. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Blackula's fun. Blackula Uh, is fun, and scream Blackula scream. (laughs) Um, but uh. Yeah. Log on to ScreamFactory.com to get your copies today. <laughs> this this whole episode should be sponsored by Scream Factory. Uh, the whole show, Scream Factory, should be sponsored by Scream Factory. Just saying. You're, you're, just saying. But, but the, just, just uh, the ambiance and the mood of Dracula, I think, is what makes it a good film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely. And um, also, there's um, what's funny is, is watch it side by side with the Spanish version and see which one is more technically advanced. Because the Spanish version has a lot more camera movement. Yeah, if you get the huh. Blu-ray, you get both versions. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Huh. Because they used to shoot the Spanish version on the same set as the American set, 
um, at night with huh. different actors. Oh, okay. As opposed to making... Uh, so it wasn't so, dubbed. Opposed, it wasn't dubbing, no. Oh, okay. Interesting. Not all films did it, but most films did it at that time. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. It was to advance the market. Right. Awesome. James. Plus, they just discovered uh, sound, so... <laughs> <laughs> Before yeah, that, that's, it was. That's right. Sam Warner just dug it out of the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Toby Maguire had sex with some lady and sound happened. Uh, no. So, uh, my number three is a movie we actually talked about earlier um, that I will argue is as much a horror film as it is a science fiction film. <laughs> um, <laughs> my number three is Alien. Oh. You thought you got so excited. I'm hoping E.T. is somewhere on your actual list. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so I there there are a handful of movies that I went back and forth on, like like Jaws, for example, which we've talked on the show in the past about it being a fantastic horror movie. And I thought about it. I was like, well, I could do that. And I was just like, this is it's not in the spirit of what I, I felt like we were doing. Um, but with Alien, I do think it is. Um, Alien to me, especially when when you really interpret like what that film is about and all of the, you know, pseudo sexual imagery of that film. Sigourney is... Weaver in small underwear, tiny little underwear, yeah, or tiny little butt in tiny little underwear. Anyway, um, the, uh, that got weird. That was the original <laughs> title, right? Tiny yeah, little butt. tiny little butt in tiny little underwear. <laughs> really, you got to change this, <laughs> right? <Yeah>. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> but did you see the end of the movie? No, we know. <laughs> It's uh, too much for a poster. Right. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Little wordy. Yeah, and this, this like sans serif font is just weird. Like it's just. Too, <laughs> um, the, anyway, uh, like no, the the pseudo sexual like imagery of that movie is really horrific, and I think the monster itself is a oh, yeah, an amazing awesome. like it's it it really is in a pantheon of of the other great like monster movies, um, and especially the first film. I wouldn't argue that any of the other films are horror films. Um, I might, 
I might have a, a Prometheus argument in me to some degree. Um, but, you know, especially, I, I actually like in doing, like, research on this and finding other people's lists. Like, I'll see Aliens pop up, and I'm like, fuck you. Like, that's not a horror movie. Uh, but, but Alien really is, especially when you go look at, at the claustrophobia of that ship. Um, the, the, the sequences, like, where... Um, uh, where uh, not not Jackson? No, is it Jackson? Anyway, where the where the guy is like crawling through all of the tubes with the flamethrower, um, and 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 really just the how amazing the first time you see both the the chestburster sequence as well as the sequence with Ash. Like when Ash breaks, like that is a terrible mo- like moment. I remember, um, and I think for most people in most people in just growing up in pop culture today. If you watch Alien for the first time, you know the chestburster is coming, yeah. and you've probably seen it. But I, so when I watched it with my roommate who had never seen it, the most scary part of the movie for him was actually Ash. Like, because here's this character you don't understand what's happening, and all of a sudden he starts spraying milk, and weird like spaghetti falls out of his neck, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on? This is so insane." <coughs> and yes, <clears throat> totally falls into. Uh, the sci-fi genre, and that's part of why I love it so much. But uh, for me, it's just a a really amazing horror film. Um, so, but you're yeah. also talking about just like John Carpenter. You're talking about a director who yes. is one of the best. And yeah. you're, I think, if you saw Alien last, you would be surprised on the pace of the film. Oh yeah, because it's not so much. I mean, I've enjoyed Aliens more that I've watched it a couple more times, but. Alien is there's only one, right? And it's, and I think that's why it's scary. And it's scarier than any of the other because like the, the Alien Queen to me is never as scary. Exactly as because the, the original Xenomorph. Th- that because they don't know what's happening. It, right, they're outnumbered, and it's only one of them. And they're basically construction workers. Exactly, and like it's, they're not they're not space marines, you know. And it's um, there's so many scenes you can point to in that film that works so well. And oh, dude, the fucking chain room. Yeah. Why is there a creepy wet room full of chains? And uh, that deals with you know, how well the, the cinematographer and Ridley Scott use yeah. that confined space. Yeah. You know, it's I think it's yeah, it's one of the definitely one of the best sci-fi movies. Yeah, cool. That's my number three. Uh, my number three is actually I think the greatest horror film of all time. Um, uh, the only reason it's number three is because again, remember this is my Halloween list. Um, but it, when you talk about movies that have endings that I think are shocking and is actually maybe the least amount the, about the monsters and more about a commentary on social uh, structure, like all of George Romero films, uh, Night of Living Dead, I think, is the greatest horror film of all time. Welcome to a night of total terror. Haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. (laughs) 
Night of the Living Dead. A bizarre adventure in fear. An experience in shock more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the Living Dead. A night with the dead who cannot die. A night of total terror. Night. Of the living dead. It's a hard movie to show to people for a party because they're like, oh, why is this so slow moving? And, uh, you know... There's, it's not, you know, super gory. I mean, there's parts in there that are pretty scary, but... Yeah, it's something... Because your friend's people... attention spans suck. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I would never, if we were having, a, like, a Halloween party, yeah. I would never put this one in and, like, hey, sit down and watch this amazing social commentary about who's racist and what... Right. Uh, you know, it, it just doesn't work. <laughs> right, because um, either, either people aren't going to pay attention or people like me are going to sit down and not pay attention to the party. Exactly. <laughs> so... I, what what makes the film work is it's again it's the opening. And I love the name Night of the Living Dead. I think it's such a great name. But you know the opening is uh, a brother and a sister going to their mother's grave uh, to put flowers on, and without any explanation, without any reasoning, there's a dude walking through the graveyard, and uh, the brother says he's coming to get you, Barbara. Look, there's one of them now. And he's They're just coming for you. He's just teasing her. And then when the the man you don't know is a zombie yet gets to uh what's her brother's name? I can't remember. Steve. No, it's uh I can't believe I can't remember right now. What a brain and it It's Johnny. And uh it it's it takes a weird uh, like a really dark turn because he's teasing his sister about these people walking through the cemetery, then he immediately changes to protecting his sister because this man is, you know, attacking her and turns attacks him and he ends up dying. And then the man looks up at uh, his sister, chases her to a farmhouse in the farmhouse. She meets a family that's holed up in the farmhouse and um, a man named Ben, who is a black man goes to the house and he becomes a hero of the film, and this film was released in 1969, at a time when you, you don't uh, – a, a black man in the lead was not really the norm. And to have the black man in the lead and not only be the lead but be the hero and be the guy who's kind of getting everybody out of the predicament they're in, it, it was revolutionary at the time. And it's, it's one year after Martin Luther King was killed. Exactly. Like and – and so you have this tension with uh, the Coopers in the basement where their daughter was bit. And they said, she's sick. We don't know what's going on with her. And he's saying it's safer in the basement. Ben is saying, no, it's safer where we have room to fight. We have, you know. So basically it's a racial tensions about wh who knows better. And what makes this film really terrifying. I remember I've told this story many times. I'll just tell it again. It could be someone's first podcast. I'll never forget going to Walgreens with my grandmother. And they had a 99-cent bin of videos. My brothers would pick something like Woody Woodpecker or what other Felix the Cat, whatever other like cheapo cartoons they'd put on video cassettes. And I remember grabbing Night of the Living Dead. And as a kid, I could never 
make it to the end because the zombies start pouring into the farmhouse and uh, her her brother Johnny shows up and Barbara's so scared that she doesn't know what to do and she ends up getting pulled out by Johnny and so she's basically murdered by her own brother and they pour in the house and then you realize that the safest place was actually the basement because Ben goes down there and he finds that the little girl came back as a zombie and murdered her parents and he has to kill this little girl and he makes all the way through the end of the night and he wakes up because he hears guys outside shooting and talking so he finally gets to the top and this is spoilers for a movie that's 43 years old he gets to the <laughs> 46 Jesus, gets to the top and he's looking around and then he gets shot and that's the end of the movie and the line that comes right after is it there's another one yeah there's another one for the fire nice shot so it, it's, it's so it, it's a gut punch it's, it's, it's impactful because nobody wins right and it, it's I still think it's the greatest horror film ever made so yeah, yeah. Night Living Dead nope I love that movie I'm waiting for a proper Blu-ray release on it which I heard they just restored it in 4K so but hopefully I'll get it is that's the one that was released so that like anyone could yeah, make DVDs it's in public it? domain oh okay yeah so if you're going to get a DVD, there, make sure you get the George Romero 40th anniversary. Is the is the like 4K update date that you're talking about? Is that one that he'll actually get money for? I hope so. Oh, I hope yeah. so because I mean he birthed the whole right zombie genre as we know it. I mean they had Bella Gosi's White Zombie before, but that was a lot of like uh, witchcraft and um, yeah. yeah and Haitian stuff. This is you know you don't know what brought him back to life. You get bit, you turn into a zombie. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a yeah. So I love that movie. Brad, cool. number two. Now we're on number two. My number two <laughs> is Monsters, Inc. Because it has monsters in it. Nice. Adorable. Just kidding. Um, it's really awesome. It's Friday the 13th, part four. <laughs> the final chapter. chapter. Jason is back. He moves like a shadow, dark and silent. Sorry, you change your mind? He never utters a word. He doesn't even seem to breathe. Where the hell's the car screw? He simply, mindlessly, mercilessly, Kills. But now, Jason's reign of terror is over. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Jason's unlucky day. I was going to say, that's actually not called part four. I was going to say, wait, they've only made four of those movies? <laughs> it's not. Yes, yeah, part four of the final chapter. Mm, it's called Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Okay, nerds, stop fighting. Yeah. 
Someone fact check this for me. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Talk about the movie while you like it. It's on your shelf. Just pull it down. Um. I'm going to have to pull it out of like the tin and everything. And it's easier to just look at IMDb. Let's make sure that the discs stay pristine. <laughs> anyway, um, it's my number two because uh, I love the Friday the 13th movies. Uh, well, most of them. <laughs> um, and... Uh, like the fr- first Friday the 13th is a classic, but it doesn't have Jason Voorhees in it. It doesn't have the hockey mask, all the iconic stuff. Um, and the second one doesn't even have that. Um, the fourth one, I think, is the you know has all the elements you want and has a pretty like ra- well rounded out story um, and gives um, Jason. I think it's like its first like solid protagonist in Tommy Jarvis. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, he he's this kid who feels like an outcast and he he's really into horror makeup and stuff and he like um builds all these masks and things and um it's interesting that they you know pit jason against a kid oh look what we got here friday the 13th the final chapter well you proved me wrong uh, it should check be, and check in my friday the 13th well, but stat. The, the post in the poster two of the letters make a the, the Roman numeral four. Yeah. And so the fin- it's the really- I, think the, I think the poster's yeah. badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's also like the, one of the best Jason posters because it's, oh, yeah. it's the hockey mask, the blood under it, and the knife in the eye. Yeah. Oh, I, that one. Yeah. Okay. If people ask me what the ultimate Friday 13th movie is, it's absolutely the final chapter because you know, just what you said, you have a group of teenagers, you have Jason just <laughs> murdering them like crazy, Tom Savini's makeup effects, uh, Crispin Glover, who I think is amazing in it. Uh, you know, uh, the dead fuck thing I think is awesome. <laughs> That's a sentence. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just... And I think Jason's scary in it. I do, because he's unrelenting. Um, and I, one of my... I think one of my favorite deaths is when that dude who's in the shower when he just smashes his head against the wall. Um, I think scary. Um, you know, when he saws the morgue's dude's head and then he twists his neck all the way around. I mean, this movie's really violent. Hmm. Yeah. Really awesome and loaded with nudity. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really, like, got into its, like, a groove in there. Because mm-hmm. the first one, you know, when I, the first time I went through these, I was working on a Hollywood video, and I was just, like, grabbing the tapes off the shelf. Sure. Uh, I think you got, like, two a week or something. Remember Holly, uh, Hollywood video had the, like, squeezy <laughs> box sides? Yeah. <laughs> and I know Blockbuster had the clamshells. And, yeah. Yeah, Hollywood video had the clear squeeze they, boxes. They, they only give you two free rentals a week? I think, I think it was like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, know. like... 16 years ago now sure um so i don't remember but uh but yeah like i used a lot of that time to go through the horror shelf mm-hmm. like finally these like cheap you know 80s 90s horror movies <laughs> yeah. that you know never would have seen otherwise mm-hmm. but yeah like i started with friday the 13th and i was like oh cool like i'm gonna get into this mythology i'm like oh where's jason uh, except for at the very end and then yeah. the second one i'm like okay cool like i want to see you know the hockey mask killer and then oh he has a bag over his head <laughs> the third one, like, it's like, oh, it's in 3D. Uh, it's supposed to be the 3D one, and it's just people like pointing sticks at the camera. Um, and yeah, he finally gets the hockey mask, but like a lot of it's just, yeah, it's points. Yeah, but he keeps taking it it's off, all and holding it into the camera. Yeah. I think when he, the reveal of him with the hockey mask is badass, though. Yeah, he's like walking down a dock, and it's it just it's really well constructed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, part four is is like it, the fully realized. Oh yeah, of those three, exactly, yeah. and he's. His death is pretty gruesome and awesome. Mm. Um, he takes a machete to the side of the face. Cool. <laughs> what makes it, the death even better is he falls, and as he's falling down, 
his head is sliding down, so his head is being sawed by the machete because it's stuck in the side of his head. Mm, yeah, it, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really well done. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, part two is fun too. I, I think, I think actually, I, people think I'm crazy. I think part two is better than part one because I think it's better made. Also, um, I was watching one and two last night, and one is just really slow mm-hmm. uh, to get to anything. Like, I, I mean, still, one is still a, a classic horror film, right? But if if you uh, I've always done rankings of them, but I, I think part two is better than part one, and I think the ultimate Friday Thirteenth is the final chapter. Yeah. Cool. Zach. Zach. Um, my number two has one of the best endings to a horror film I've ever seen, and it reaffirms the fact that man is the warmest place to hide. My number two is the thing. something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside, where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, and it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? We can beat one of those things! <laughs> no, that I should would I, not I, die. Let me, let me. Uh, that's the brain that wouldn't die, and that's the thing from another world. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Oh, the 2011 one. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. It does no, have Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it. Yeah. Oh man, I love that movie. It's the best. When one. the light is blinking at her face at the end. Oh, so good. Anna and her sisters is a movie directed by. Woody that's a. Allen. That's a movie that is better than people give it credit for. Oh, absolutely. But anyways, the, uh, the remake of the thing. The prequel to the thing. The prequel to the thing, sorry. No, John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah, that's Um, that's an amazing movie. Yeah, that's a pretty good movie. Uh, If you've listened to me on the show before, you know I have a mad affection for a man named Kurt Russell and his luxurious beard. (laughs) Um, And John Carpenter and his luxurious beard. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, I have a thing for men with beards. Um, And who smokes cigarettes. Watch out, James. (laughs) How y'all do? Oh, oh, and smokes cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) So many hoops to jump through. (laughs) Get a smoking habit, James. Yeah, <laughs> start wanting to kill yourself. That's how I get sexy. Everybody a whole smoke of cigarettes. Ah. <laughs> um, no, but um, so basically, like again, if you've been living under rocks, um, the uh, the story of the thing is a bunch of uh, explorers out in the middle of the Arctic um, come across a dog that's been being chased down by these Norwegians uh, in a helicopter, and um, 
they don't know where the dog, what what's going on with the dog, so they go to investigate the Norwegian campsite after the Norwegians blow themselves up rather carelessly because um, they because they because the dynamite flips back. It's, it's it's almost like a wah wah. Wackity smackity do. And uh, they go and discover that something had been carved out of the ice by the Norwegians, and um, uh, this thing was latched onto the dog, and now it starts taking the form of anything it sees. It replicates itself, um, almost perfectly. And um, one of the things about it is it's it's. The designs of the creatures are very, uh, and I'm using this term rather loosely because I don't know what the direct influence is, but it feels like it's Lovecraftian type of monsters, like demons from hell and shit. Um, and uh, the uh, the tension is palpable, like you could cut it with a fucking knife. Um, and uh, it has one of those great endings where you don't know if either one of them is the thing or if one of them is the thing. And they just decide to sit back with a bottle of scotch and wait it out. Mm-hmm. And it just blows me away every time I see it. Like, it's the most bleak. It's the first of the Apocalypse trilogy that Carpenter did with Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness being the other ones. Yeah. Where there's no resolution. And unlike the and unlike the other Carpenter film we were talking about, there's a resolution in Halloween. There's no resolution in the thing. Right. Um... I feel like there's uh, something about it that says about humanity and how we trust each other. Like, it's who, do you trust your neighbor? Do you trust anybody in this mm-hmm. world? So, um, so yeah, that's my number two. John Carpenter's the thing. That's a good one. Nice. Yeah. Um, all right. My the door. What? Really? Specifically, a little boy named Kellen. Who wants nothing more? He's dressed up as Mario. Than to bother Brad. Quick. Uh, everybody's got to eat all the candy really quick. Uh, cool. My number two is um, one of the smartest films we've reviewed on this show, in my opinion, and, uh, and also some of the most fun I've had seeing a movie for this podcast. My number two is Cabin in the Woods. Everybody ready? Acquiring targets. We're looking for uh, Tillerman Road. I'll get you there. Getting back. That's your concern. This is awesome. No way. Lock them in. The lambs have come to the killing floor. Something weird is going on. What is that thing? Somebody sent those things here to get us. We gotta get out of here. Oh my god, what is this place? The cabin in the woods. I think I can get it to go down. Do we want to go down? Rated R in theaters April 13th. What is the... Mr. Rogers? Hey! Is he Mario? Oh my goodness, he's dressed up like Mario! Oh! Intermission, everybody! So everybody, little... Cabin in the Woods is the story about Kellen dressed no, no, up no, as Mario. No, 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 fuck, fuck that, fuck that. Look at how cute he is, his little hat with an M on it. Oh man, this is a plumber. Hey, hey, come here, you little rascal. Oh, you booger. Like the Bob Hoskins, he doesn't have the 
<laughs> oh, that's what the mustache is for. But he's doing the same the expressions kitchen, as Bob Hoskins with oh, his hands. You're just going to draw the mustache on? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Oh, that's adorable. Um, great. So, anyway, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, is Merman. A, is a <laughs> Killer is, unicorn. That's yeah. all I have to say. Oh, man. Like, genuinely one of the most satisfying experiences I've had in a theater while we've been doing this show. Like, the, it is such an intelligent film that is so much fun to watch. Um, moves really well, tells you a really great story, and then there's a moment when elevator doors open and you get to watch everything you've ever wanted to happen happen. Um, like that whole film is so satisfying, and that's not vague um, at all. <laughs> no, well, uh, no. If you've seen it, like, yeah, literally, like, you want to see giant spiders and ghouls eat a bunch of military dudes, you're gonna get it. Well, I still think uh, one of the greatest reactions in a film I've ever seen live. I mean, besides the Star Wars that you know you're going to get, but was when the unicorn stabbed that dude. Yes. The theater went crazy. Yes. Oh, yeah. It was it was so cool. Um, Yeah. I mean, that that whole movie. And it is. It's really smart. That is a movie that I've spent a lot of time thinking about uh, and have like read a lot of essays and watched a lot of like video essays for uh, because there's a lot of really I mean, Drew Goddard and, and Joss Whedon wrote a script that is so damn smart and has so much going on in it um, and and plays on these like very traditional tropes of of, uh, of horror films and in really intelligent ways I, I can't recommend the movie enough like it is it's just so much fun to watch um, so yeah uh, and also has Sigourney Weaver in it um, spoilers bro uh, yeah but, but she's never she's never just in tiny little underwear no so, yeah uh, anyway uh, yeah, that's that's my number two. Uh, my number two, as we've talked on the show uh, before, um, and much like the uh, antagonist, he won't stay dead. You can't kill him. This movie brought him back to life. My number two is Friday 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. One where he's on a boat. Uh, no, no. That's, Manhattan. that's that's Jason takes Manhattan. Is this the one where Buster Rhymes says trick or treat? Motherfucker. Uh, no. It's not even a Friday movie. 
<laughs> no, this this movie was Scream before there was Scream. It's uh, it's a Friday the 13th film that was written and directed by a guy who loves the gothic horror films of uh, Frankenstein and Dracula, and that's why it has kind of that ambiance to it. But his name's Tom McLaughlin, and he got his start on TV writing variety shows for Dick Van Dyke and Carol Burnett. So he kind of has this kind of funny sensibility about him. And he's if you've ever watched any special features with him talking about this film, he's incredibly well-spoken, and he's he cares immensely about delivering a fun experience. And uh, that's what I think about. If I, well, I think part four is the ultimate Friday the 13th. My, my favorite Friday the 13th film is part six because it's just um, – it, it strikes all the right chords to me. I think Jason's really good in it. Uh, <laughs> um, he disagrees. <laughs> Come on, Dad. Uh, Everybody knows hey. it's all about Jason goes to hell. <laughs> is that a Mario game you're playing? <laughs> huh? But – you know, there, there's even starts really badass where Tommy Jarvis from Part Four is haunted by uh, Jason. So he's been in a psych ward for I don't know how long, ten years, whatever the time is, and he goes to Crystal Lake because he's gonna make sure that Jason's dead because he's haunted that Jason isn't dead. Yeah, they basically ignore Part Five because they should, <laughs> and uh, so by doing that, so he goes to a cemetery and he digs up Jason's grave. And Jason's body's in there, decomposed, dead. And so he he stabs Jason repeatedly with a piece of cast iron fence pole. And it gets struck by lightning, comes back to life, much like Frankenstein. And then he becomes like a unkillable zombie. And they have a lot of uh, kind of funny little jabs at the audience. Um, like the caretaker says, you know... Some people have a sick idea of entertainment while looking at the camera. Um, yeah, it's just a fun movie. Does he think I'm a fart head? Yes! <laughs> and then there has John Travolta's like, nephew who looks like John Travolta in it. <laughs> cool. Yep. What is it? What's your number one there, Brad? You're on to my number one? Yep. All right, this is it. All right, so to finish my playlist that you should watch to feel like you're experiencing Halloween, <laughs> my number one is the best one of the series. It's Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, because there's Force Ghosts in it. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's uh, the very first Saw. Someone there? I can hear you. Who is that? Who's in there? Sick of people who don't appreciate their blessings. 
I've given your life purpose. Looks like our friend Jigsaw likes to book himself front row seats to his own sick games. He doesn't want us to cut through our chains. He wants us to cut through our feet. Most people are so ungrateful to be alive. Not anymore. You are a drug addict. Do you think that is why he picked you? He helped me. Don't believe Adam's lies. made my list but i really uh, i would agree it's one of the top ones to show at halloween nowadays yeah um it's kind of like my generation's friday the 13th like um you know the 80s uh like teenagers of the 80s and they had uh you know elm street and friday the 13th but like i was uh you know early 2000s that was saw like every year there was a new saw movie um, if but it's the, Halloween, it must be solved. Yeah, I think that was the actual tagline of one of the posters. And mm-hmm. um, the first one, uh, you know, they got really derivative by the end. But um, the first one, you know, when there's that end reveal, I was like, wow. Yeah, and the first one wasn't necessarily uh, predicated on the traps, which, I mean, there's traps in it. Yeah. But it was more of the mystery of what's happening to uh, the mystery you know, is really strong. Dr. Gordon. Yeah. Why is he in this room? Why is that one guy? Why, how are they connected? And you're figuring it out with them. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, I think it was just really smartly set up. Um, yeah. And yeah, it wasn't about the traps. Like, it was a cool thing. But, um, yeah, the sequels were all about, like, oh, what kind of cool torture can we do to these people what um, kind of type of carnival attraction can we turn into a death trap yeah which i think it you know the saw series i think kind of lost its way at uh, four and five i thought six actually had some great ideas in it. i thought seven was actually a pretty nice way to tie it up mm. Shit, there's seven of them. Oh, there'll, there'll be an eighth one next year <laughs> i do appreciate how they were able to like um like they they were like the continuity was there like it was, they were actually all part mm-hmm. Like Friday the 13th, it's like part one, part two, but they're not really no. directly connected stories other than Jason. But Saw was directly like the next one's picked up where the last one ended a lot of times. And it was pretty impressive how they managed to, once they switched that other detective, yeah, kind of becoming the Jigsaw character. Um, I was pretty impressed with how they worked it yeah, uh, into it, a story that, you know, they didn't plan this out ahead of time. And it's, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Saw 5. And I think it's, I'm like, ah, oh, this sucks. But then when they start tying it all together, I'm like, ah, oh, this is cool again. Mm. Um, but the, the, the first saw is, you know, introduction of Jigsaw and someone who has nothing to lose and taking his frustrations out on you, I think is a cool idea. It makes you kill yourself. Yeah. You know, um, it's he's punishing you for being a douchebag, basically. Yeah. Because calling it douchebag killing games was not no, necessarily it doesn't clever. work as well. <laughs> Are looking for the and I think the, the little puppet Billy, I think, is a great uh, visual character. Yeah, which is interesting because uh, he's not the jigsaw; like it's just yeah. a prop that he yeah. That's what's used for I a video. I think that's what's funny too. It's just just much like the shark in Jaws. Everyone thinks his name is Jaws, um, which it's not. But uh, it's Bruce, it's Bruce. But just like uh, in Saw, the puppet's not Jigsaw. His name's Billy. You know, Jigsaw is the actual bad guy. Billy is just. 
a talking head for him, basically. But just again, you never know with how you design a character what's really going to stick with people. Right. So yeah, that is my ten. So happy Halloween. <laughs> cool, Zach. Why don't you take a wild freaking guess, Mr. Frost? <laughs> Friday Thirteenth Part Six. <laughs> Doctor Giggles. <laughs> oh, fuck, I forgot yes. about that movie. My number one <laughs> is Doctor Giggles. <laughs> I knew it. No, my number one was Halloween. Um, <laughs> now you can never enjoy it again. No, no, I can't. Um, I think. I don't think I've ever told how I first saw Halloween, but I was uh, 11 don't years old. Don't start now. <laughs> <laughs> I was 11 years old, um, and Brad came to me from the future and said, you have to watch this movie because we're going to make jokes about you in the future. That's pretty much how it happened. No, um, my dad showed it to me because I, I, I was obsessed with the image of the mask uh, growing up as a kid. Um, so you're obsessed with William Shatner? <laughs> Hey, manipulated William Shatner. <laughs> manipulated William Shatner. Yeah, William Shatner is a tan. Um, and because um, the mask was white. So I was curious about what this was, and my dad had seen it before, and he was just like, "Don't tell your mom." And he just hands off this disc to me, Halloween to watch. Disc? In the Fuck, I'm old. Oh man. <laughs> it's like he handed me a DVD of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> he handed me the DVD and he, from Blockbuster, and he was just like, "Do not tell your mom." Is it just me, or is it like movies are scarier on VHS? Um, it's just you. Okay. I've seen Halloween on a VHS tape. It's not. It's no different. It's just it's cropped. But the problem <laughs> is, is that with VHS you don't get the uh, anamorphic widescreen presentation of that film. Remember the pan and scan shit? Yeah, I was, yeah. Just, I was just gonna say. I, I feel like it is scarier because pan and scan is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'm ruining the image. What's happening on twenty five percent of the sides? I don't know. <laughs> We're in control of what you see. <laughs> I remember the first movie I really noticed it in was Ghostbusters two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. sorry. Uh, I saw it in one because in the elevator they pan right like across. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know why Ghostbusters 2 is the one I remembered. Anyways. Um, anyway. But uh, to, to wrap it all up, I, uh, the one, one of the reasons I love Halloween above anything else is because I loved the character of Dr. Loomis. I really liked the idea, because I was getting freaked out at some point when I was first watching the movie. I was getting freaked out by Michael. And then in walks Loomis with his gun and just fires six shots. <laughs> right into Michael's heart. And even though Michael gets God away, you, Michael. <laughs> as a matter of fact... It was. He's a great actor. <laughs> the boogeyman. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. And... <laughs> <laughs> and um, so um, I love the character Dr. Loomis as, like, that was, like, the, that was the security blanket yeah. uh, when I was younger for... Uh, because uh, he is the guy who, like, can save you because he yeah, understands he, Michael. He's the man who understands the boogeyman. Mm -hmm. it, or, or the man who knows Indians. Was that the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. <laughs> I, I'll say that to the end of time. Um, so, and I also I'm a huge John Carpenter fan. So he's one of my top directors of all time. Uh, so um, uh, yeah, I got to give it up to Halloween for me. And also, it's just a very <laughs> tightly constructed uh, piece of American cinema that I think that can't be challenged whatsoever. Mm -mm. So. So yeah, thanks for sweeping that leg. Yeah, I knew, I, again. I, I knew it would be swept. I told James in the car, I'm like, I know he's gonna sweep my number one. Well, Maybe. shut up, cause you did it too. 
Um, Maybe you should just get your own number one, Zach. <clears throat> Maybe I will. <laughs> My number one. Uh, is one of my favorite films of all time, actually. Uh, another one that is kind of surprising. It's actually a movie that I, I watched around Halloween. The first time I saw it, I saw it actually, Brian, with your wife and a friend of ours, Sean. Um, my number one is John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, oh yeah, there's no more trailer. Yeah. Right, yeah. son of a bitch. It was just a um, pause for emphasis. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this... You know, I've talked a lot about paranoia uh, in my, in my list. Um, I, I just think that this movie is really brilliant. It's you know, yes, the practical effects are great, um, but it's really about how you you have this monster that is so difficult to beat that the audience actually gets to feel smart and gets to feel like the characters are smart as they are constantly trying to find different ways of figuring out who the thing is uh, the, the sequence with the petri dishes is one of my favorite um like uh suspense sequences in a movie ever um and and honestly like it's part of why i love the prequel a lot as well because i think it did a really good job of mimicking some of that because i think that the the whole idea of looking at in people's teeth for for fillings was similarly a really great way of combating this this you know terrible monster um everything that i said about alien as hey these people are are construction workers who can't really do anything like in the thing these people are all or or mostly are scientists who are using their intellect to try and solve this problem they are completely incapable of doing so because it's a crazy super alien monster thingy that could turn into anything and kill everyone um but you still feel encouraged i guess by these characters as they are trying their best um, and that's part of what makes the monster so so absolutely terrifying. Um, I also love so much of the behind the scenes of, of the making of this film, like learning about the, the it, similarly, like some 19 or 22 year old kid who had never done special effects before and basically made this movie that has special effects that are going to like be continuously referenced as some of the greatest uh, practical effects ever on film. Um, there's some of them that don't hold up. Like I think that the 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 opening of the chest doesn't work as well. But anything like like when the when the the whole dog sequence when the dog breaks in half like is still one of the most terrifying and and horrific looking things that I've ever seen. Um, like it is. It's just like everything in that movie is just the stuff of nightmares. Um, and yeah, I mean the the ending is is really fantastic. Um, the kind of ending that I tend to like a lot where it just sort of stops um, and you are left to live in the uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I, I I just adore that movie. Man, I really want to go home and watch that thing. Uh, I'm so. thinking the same thing. Right, yeah. You know what you should guys do is you get the Scream Factory Collector's Edition like I have. Yeah, I know. I need to. It's it's two discs and it's pretty amazing. And, yeah. I mean, the new transfer is stunning. I think it's I on the... Like at Best Buy, it's like on the nine dollar Halloween shelf right now. Nice, yeah. And I also do want to stand Going up for to the Best Buy. <laughs> I also do want to stand up for the prequel because I actually really like the prequel. I think if if they had not done the CGI monsters, I would I would tell you that I think that movie is is ninety percent of what the original is. Um, like the only thing that holds it back, and even this even the CGI creatures sometimes are really terrifying. Yeah. I think when they're on the helicopter and they're starting to take off, and the one guy's face just sort of like cracks like a part of it just pops forward it's it's very disturbing um and i think there's a 
it sort of scratches an itch when you actually get to spoilers for for the theme pre- the prequel. But when you actually get to go see the spaceship and like get some closure in like, oh okay, that's hey, let's actually go see what this thing looks like, um, you know where that it came from. from. The original the thing, the, yeah. the very original one. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but th- that's why like I, I just I find that very satisfying in a way that I guess I probably shouldn't. But um, I also think that the ending is really of the of the prequel is really good. Uh, there, it, it came up a lot this week because the writer of it came out and said a whole bunch of shit about that movie. Um, but I, I think it's really great. So anyway, what was he saying? Bad shit? Or? Uh, he was just talking about some of the things that they changed and how, like, when he wrote it, when a when he wrote it, he he had intended it for a lot more. Practical you know what's effects. funny is writers always think they write something better than what shows up on screen. Often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing was that he had a different ending. He like he disagrees with the ending, and I I don't. I, I really like the ending. He there was something where like she gets left out in the in the in the cold and you're supposed to know like oh she's gonna freeze to death and I think that the ending of hey you don't have enough gas to get anywhere you're gonna freeze to death is actually more chilling. Yeah. Um and it's only done by there's a a that faint red flicker on her face and yeah. you know that light is the hey you don't have any fuel light like it's just great. Um it's a cool it's a cool movie. So yeah go watch the thing and also go watch the thing. Yep. And then the other thing. And then the thing No, don't watch that. the other thing. That's not very good. The thing before that. Hey, Ryan, what's your number one thing? Oh, geez. I mean, if you guys don't know what my number one Halloween movie of all time is. All right, everybody, is. let's go home. Yep. My number one Halloween movie of all time is my favorite movie of all time is Army of Darkness. In an age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. And a time of evil. You shall die! When the world needed a hero. The swallow us all. And it wasn't dying! What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped. In the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Nictu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, when the army spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. Now he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Sound the trumpets. Raise the drawbridge. Look out! Drop the Oldsmobile. From Sam Raimi. Director of Darkman comes Army of Darkness. They live. They breathe. They suck. Army of Darkness. No surprise to anybody. I talk about this movie probably at ad nauseum, but uh, it's yep. it's still funny. I still love Sam Raimi. Uh, get the Scream Factory Collector's Edition three oh, discs. Um, yeah, it's the only bummer thing about the Scream Factory one has everybody 
in the retrospect, everybody's in it except for Sam Raimi. Yeah. I mean, they they have, like, people who played monsters in it, but not Sam Raimi. Yeah. Uh, but it does have a great commentary with him, Bruce Campbell, and his brother, Ivan Raimi, who wrote the movie. Uh, but, yeah, I just... It's everything I love about movies. There's horror. It's funny. You know. It's great. Yeah. I, I've talked about it so much, I don't know what else to add to it. Yeah, but, seriously. Yeah. But just, uh, just go see it and know that it's... Uh, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, I, one of my favorite jokes is uh, all the skeletons are coming up and uh, one comes up and he coughs up dust and the other skeleton says, welcome back to the land of the living. Now pick up a shovel and get to work. <laughs> I think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that movie is great. And uh, Give Me Some Sugar Baby was uh, Give me some sugar, baby. was ad-libbed yep. on set by Sam Raimi. Uh, he was sitting and watching the scene. I, for, I forget what he said what the original line was. And Bruce Campbell is telling the story, and he says, all of a sudden he hears, like, Sam Raimi going, <laughs> and so he goes over and says, Sam, what's up? He says, when, when you grab her, say, give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> and so that's how that <laughs> line came about. Oh, uh, I love your Sam Raimi impression. <laughs> oh. He needs to make another movie soon. Yeah, he does. <clears throat> Has he not touched anything since Oz? Mm-mm. Well, I mean, he's produced a lot. In, no, of course. And yeah. he did the Shit. pilot for Ash. Oh. Yeah. What? Yeah, he's going to hit me. He just hit you. Yeah. Why are they trying to parallel park there? I don't know. Anyway, that's just, a nightmare. They just right. suck at this. We should but... wrap up the show so All Brad right. can go throw rocks at that lady's car. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Oh. We had uh, fun. I yeah. mean, it's totally different what we do- normally done. I can't find where's Henry's email. Like I was just oh, looking for it. He sent us a list of five films. Oh yeah, he did. It's on Twitter. I know. Oh. I looked on Twitter. Oh. I couldn't find it. Uh, let me find it. Uh, I'll also say that my cousin Lisa sent me a film that she loves on Halloween time, and she wanted to know if it counted, and her favorite is Donnie Darko. No. (laughs) Doesn't count. Sorry. I really wanted to get Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters on the list, but then I also thought that that was not in, in, you know, the spirit. What the fuck is this lady doing? (laughs) She's still doing it? I think she might be confused. I think she might be an alcoholic. Just saying. Uh, yeah. Um, so this was a fun one. I, I a lot of different films. Uh, yeah. You know, Zach went like the high class route. I went the trashy route. <laughs> uh, Brad, I, went I got the it. What the fuck cool. Route. I also <laughs> wanted to put Bubba Hotep on my list. Also, nice. In... That comes out on Screen I'm... Factory next week. Yeah. I would put an honorable mention for the birds because I remember the birds scaring the crap out of me when I was younger. I would also put an honorable mention for Psycho, I which I thought I should have put on yeah. the list. But... Uh, Psycho, I consider a thriller. Uh, again, sure. again, I I did it based on what I watch on Halloween. Oh, agreed. If if you want to see my 100 favorite horror films of all time, you can log log on to go to realnerdspodcast.com and just search uh, Ryan's 100 favorite horror films, and it will pop up. Yep. In your Google search. Okay, so, it? yeah. Here's Henry's list. He only did a top five, though, so... Um, well, he's a young'un. Yeah, he, he has a lot of horror films still to watch. Uh, his number five is Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School. So, like I said, young'un. Which I think is just a cartoon movie. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not the actual films. <laughs> Laura knows what it is. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Laura says he's right. He's wrong. Number four is Blood Sabbath, which I've never heard of. Like Black, Black what an Sabbath art house Black. asshole. I know. I was just, I was just realizing, like, he's going to make his number one Mulholland Drive. Uh, uh, 
Number three is the recent Fright Night, 2011. Nice. Yeah, that's a great movie. Number two, The Burbs, which... Okay. I get, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. For sure. Yeah. Uh, he said he's not sure if it counts or not, but he's including it. It counts because he put it on the list. Yep. And his number one horror movie, or Halloween movie, is The Ring. Oh, okay, cool. Which I'm yeah. guessing is the American one, not the yeah. Japanese one. Yeah, Otherwise, he said Ringu. it was, what is that, Ringu. Yeah. I, I think like the I think the ending when she comes out of the TV is terrifying. Okay. Yep. Neat. Yeah. Um, Neat. So thanks, <laughs> thanks, Henry. Yeah. Um, uh, cool. So there are some other ones like I wish I could have gone there, like modern, like newer ones, like um, what we do in the shadows. Yeah, I thought about that. I would have um, put House of the Devil on there. Barely made it. But. Yeah. The House of the Devil. Yeah. It, I mean, I I debate Zombie Land. Um, Shaun of the Dead, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Tucker and Dale. I, you know, I knew someone was going to throw Shaun of the Dead on there, so I wasn't too worried about it. But uh, I really wanted to put the Neon Demon on here, just because. Yeah. yeah. But then I realized that that is actually kind of disingenuous because that's just my interpretation of the movie. Right. Like it's it is a thriller more than anything. I think it's still know? like like you said a vampire movie, but yeah. Like right. my list was about the vibe of Halloween. Uh, and, uh, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and um, another one from like the early 2000s that I wanted to get on there was a uh, Shadow of the Vampire. Yes. Um, yeah, that is a good one. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's not. Yeah, it's it's like eleven for the list. Sure. So. Yeah, yeah, and of course Ghostbusters. Like that's a fun one to put on there. Yeah. Oh sure. Because it's a li- Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it came out this year. Of them. Yeah. yeah. It's got a lot of ladies in it. It's really good. Oh okay. I think yeah. I, I think I'll check it out and then bash it on the internet for no reason. Yeah. No, women yeah. are very skilled at doing funny things. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. They can be. Yeah. Crazy. Uh huh. Um, Living under a rock. Yes, so uh, thanks for listening. These are always fun. Next year, forget everything you know about reality. This is not reality! Uh, we're seeing Doctor Strange next week. Oh, I thought you said next yeah, year. Yeah, you said next year. I yeah. was so confused. I was like, Did what? I? Yes. I next week. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was just saying... <laughs> I, I, oh, I, dude, I really hope that Sam Neill pops up in Doctor Strange. I still laugh every time. I, when, I forget at the beginning of the year what movie I was seeing, but they had a trailer for X-Men. And they had a trailer for Doctor Strange, and they both had the line, forget everything you know. Yes. Forget everything you know about the X-Men. Forget everything you know about reality. So that'll be a fun one. It's getting uh, very good reviews. Yeah. Yep. I'm excited. I gotta go get uh, some tickets. Colorado's own Scott Derrickson, director. Yeah. It's from Westminster. Yeah. The woman who used to babysit me is, like, close friends with him, because uh, her husband uh, grew up with him. Awesome. Yeah, yeah we I gotta. Know. I need to leverage that relationship. You should. <laughs> I mean, he's he's always been really nice. I mean, yeah. usually when I tweet him, he always tweets back. So yeah, because I I always hashtag my tweet to him three hundred three represent. <laughs> I think that's what gets him. Yeah, mm. Scott, if you're ever in uh, in Denver, stop by Ryan's house and we'll. He was. He was at the Alamo a well, couple months to... ago. Yeah, he was. Am I only? Am I the only one doing the opening day with the glass the Alamo glass? Uh, uh, what time have you seen it at? I, I... Seven. Thursday. We, we can all get glasses if we want to. I think I can make it. <laughs> um, Same. Yeah, I, I'm not sure when I'm going yet. So. All right. Yeah, my I, I want to see it opening. I work midnight to ten in the morning. It's always hard for me to. Yeah. Like do things during the week, but I'm in LA until Wednesday, and then I'm not sure what Thursday. Oh, Wednesday, so. he's in LA. Yeah. Oh, fancy oh. pants over here. Yeah. California dreaming. So, uh, Laura, what's your you. number one horror movie? Yeah. What's your number Halloween one horror movie? Well, Halloween time? movie. I think oh, I know what fuck. it is, but... Um, I don't know. My number one Halloween movie, of course, is Hocus Pocus. Huh. Yeah! 
But what a shit, what a I shit actually, movie. I would have guessed I, Nightmare Before Christmas. I really, well, that's that's just like that's a Christmas movie. That's just like my soul, really. <laughs> um, I really like Rob Zombie's Halloween. Is my favorite one to watch. I think. Okay. <laughs> Zach's like blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> Can we, can we make that a soundbite now? That yeah. every time I'm just angry about something, I don't even. I just, just press the button. We'll just put in Charlie Brown. Dear Lord, no, because it just it just hurts my ears no, every that's time you do. Ugh. Mm. Mine's arg. <laughs> the Charlie Brown soundboard. <laughs> hey, this is how much of a uh, goofball I am. So, the Charlie Brown Great Pumpkin is 50 years old this year. Oh, yep. Wow. And McDonald's is having as their Happy Meals come in buckets that are the Charlie Brown Great Pumpkin. And so I went to McDonald's just on purpose. I said, hey, I want uh, the Charlie Brown bucket. They're like, we can't sell them separately. I say, well, what, what do you charge if people just want a toy? They said 79 cents. Like, well, charge me for that, and I want the Charlie Brown one. So they come back with the fucking Linus one. I'm like, no, I want Charlie Brown. <laughs> They're like, what, is this for your kid? I'm like, no, it's for me. <laughs> Give me my fucking Charlie Brown bucket. <laughs> That's awesome. So I got my Charlie Brown bucket. Is it that thing laying on the floor over there? Um, being completely disrespected? No. Is, is it orange or is it purple? I don't know. It's orange. Oh, then it is my Charlie Brown bucket that yeah. my kid probably picks up and doesn't give a shit about me for. Yeah. Is it, have you watched it recently? Uh, no, I keep on... I, I, is it on Blu-ray? I want to get it on Blu-ray. It, it, there's a collection of, of peanut specials on Blu-ray, but I saw it on YouTube for like a 99 cents. It was... It, it still holds up. Yeah, oh, it's, they're, they're cute films. I still love the beginning of it where he goes, You didn't tell me you were going to kill it. Oh. <laughs> so anyways, cool. Lucy carves a pumpkin to see it. Yeah. He thinks it's homeless. Yeah, guys. Charlie Brown. Cool. That Bye. Bye. Happy Halloween. Bye. No. <laughs> Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. We would also like to thank Sparks Mandrill for our music. Additional music from Ben Sounds. Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds podcast.